Fight for the whole person. Black star. Life is a cold verse. Fight for the whole person. Cause life yes, is a cold verse. Yes, it is. Fight for the whole person. Cause life is a cold Mathematics is still in the hour of chaos and God, power, love. Top of the tower of Babylon. Great, great, still gating, elevate above all hate and all things. Grace, enthusiasm, sincerity, passion. Known through the classes and masses. Massive, transatlantic, maverick, sure, living Asiatic. The organic masters, the cream of the. Welcome, everybody, to Jeff versus the world. Proudly presents. I'm not Dave Wrestling Podcast, episode number one. It's been a long time for me to get this really situated where I want to talk about wrestling. And now is the time for me to talk about it. Uh, the wrestling game uh, is somewhat having a boom. We got wrestling pretty much all week now. But for my first episode, uh, I got somebody here that's going to uh, take the ride with me on the first episode. And that's my man, Brandon, from the Why So Serious podcast. What's up, man? What's good, man? Okay, what's with the what's with the name? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't listen to the episode of um, I got uh, I got a story to tell. Uh, it was no. Not, okay, it was, it was to make it short. Basically, I was getting situated uh, of finding different people, you know, to have a regular, actual co-host with me. So I was doing some test runs with people that I wasn't too sure about. And basically, to make a long story short, uh, when I told the person, you know, I don't think it's going to work or maybe we can come back to it later, later, they proceeded to tell me that, you know, N-word, you're not Dave. And I was just like, whoa. Dave as in Dave Meltzer? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. What? so what's uh, a couple of people had heard it they were running with it on twitter they were just like man you ain't dave and like it's hilarious it's like i thought it was funny so i was like you know what that's gonna be the name of the podcast <laughs> i i didn't hear that one okay that's great that's yes fantastic. if you got if you got <laughs> 10 minutes it's not i think it was a 10 10 12 minute story you just have to hear the complete story you know so you can get the actually in the workings of what was happening and stuff but yeah man but uh tell everybody where it is, what it is that you do and where they can listen to you at yeah so uh i do two podcasts uh the main one is the why so serious podcast we've been doing it for a little over a year now um and it's grown quite a bit so we're really excited it's me my cousin is like my best friend and a friend of mine mike who i used to uh, kind of manage uh and he was a student and so it's kind of all different ages, and uh, Mike's only Mike's 25, and then Devin and I are in our 30s, so it's kind of a cool dynamic. And then we have guests from all over the podcast world almost every week on our show. And essentially, we just talk about uh, anything that's like pop culture news, so mostly movies, TV shows, comic books, uh, nerd shit, tech stuff, gaming stuff. Uh, we're getting to some real-world shit from time to time. And I also am a critic, so I do movie reviews with my man Rashani from the Single Simulcast. So we, we've we been on a break on a little bit of a hiatus recently, but we're going to get back on to it. 
uh, now that my schedule is much more clear. Um, but basically, we do a couple movie reviews a, wor- a week, uh, and we basically go through all the movies, which is really dope. And then I do another podcast um, with uh, Mark from the Old Man Wade Show called Comic Book uh, History 101. And it's basically a show where we stopped talking about comics so much on the Watch the Series podcast, and we kind of moved it over to that one. So that's where we just get into comic talk. So we'll talk about current comics. We'll go back and read old comics. We'll talk about different characters that we're interested in. Uh, it was kind of inspired by the Character Corner podcast from the MTR Network, but we do a little bit more. Uh, we just do a little bit more broader topics, but uh, it's basically an all-comics podcast. So uh, Jeff's been on Watch the Series podcast, and he'll be on again. We got to get uh, get Jeff back on, but definitely check it out if you're into movies, TV shows, uh, nerd stuff. We talk a lot about somehow almost every week we get onto artificial intelligence or robots. <laughs> somehow I I really don't know how that happens, but every week there's some story that because I am actually anti uh, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. and my co-host is super pro anti uh, artificial intelligence and. We constantly get into arguments about how that's actually going to work out. So it's fun all the way around. Yes, it is. It's one of my um, favorite podcasts that I listen to uh, while I'm at work. So if you get the time, if you can add it into uh, your playlist of podcasts, definitely do that. Um, but let's talk about wrestling, man, because uh, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesdays are different now. We have um, AEW and NXT that are both at the going on at the same time, one is on TNT, the other one is at USA. But the question I would like to ask you is: Before last night, <clears throat> last night, where where were you with AEW? Where were you? Where were you sitting at? How did you feel about AEW at the, you know before the show? Just everything you had seen up to that point before. AEW. Yeah, I've been I've been dying to talk about this. We do wrestling our show from time to time. We usually just do the big shows. Uh, because my co, one of my co-hosts is an old wrestling fan, so I can get him to watch the big shows. But my other co-host doesn't watch wrestling at all, so we try not. We only talk about it on the big shows. But I've been dying to talk about this. But so I, I have enjoyed A and W. Um, I would say if you ask me if I enjoyed or don't enjoy it, I would lean towards enjoy, but not like super far on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they've had some issues in there, and I guess because I'm a American-based, old-school wrestling. Not old-school, like, 70s, but, like, you know, I grew up on wrestling in the late 80s and 90s, and uh, it's just some things that kind of don't sit with me. And I guess, I don't know if it's just a different, uh, from a different era or just how I see things, but, uh, and there's some things that I really like. So, like, for example, like, Cody Rhodes has been, to me, like, the star of that promotion, him and Jericho. And I just love everything they've done. Every match Cody's had has been great. Uh, every, it's been telling good stories. The matches have been fun. The crowd has been into it. And then there's things like the Young Bucks, where they're just not me, my style. Like I can't. I can acknowledge, especially Nick Jackson, how athletic, how ridiculously athletic he is. But I watch them, and I just don't find them credible. And I think they do way too many moves, and I don't see any stories in the matches. And then like Kenny Omega, I think it's fantastic, but. He's just weird to me. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I'm just like, I'll watch him and I just don't get stuff. So, like, he'll, I'll give an example. He'll be in the, in the middle of the ring. And then he'll just, like, look up in the sky and start pointing at the ropes. 
and then run towards the ropes and then do something. And I'm just like, why are you pointing at the ropes? And he's not doing it in like this charismatic sense. Like, you know, we I'm not, you know, well, everybody, most people should know that, you know, I don't really mess with Terry. But like, if you watch old Terry matches, mm-hmm. that dude had charisma. And when he would get pumped up and then hit the ropes and come off with a clothesline to give you the big boot, like, it was very charismatic. It wasn't anybody going like, this dude looks weird doing this. But I would watch Omega do it, and I'd be like, this is very weird. But I still enjoyed those matches. But the things I didn't like most were, like, all the hardcore matches, like the Joey Janela stuff, the Darby Allen stuff, the um, Jimmy Havoc stuff. It just really turned me off. Like, I literally wanted to turn the TV off when any of those dudes come on my television. And I just couldn't rock with that. So I think AEW has been, to me, trying to find its identity and what it wants to be. And I'm going to give it time because it's a new company. But I just don't think you can expect the broader audience to embrace you in the way that you want to be if you're featuring acts like Darby Allen. I mean, not Darby Allen, like uh, Jimmy Havoc, like Joey Janela, like Orange Cassidy, like Marco Stunt. Like, I loved uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, but then when they had Marco Stunt on them, like, this just kind of takes me out of it. And I don't mean to sound like old Jim Cornette type thing, but I, though, that part of his critique, I do kind of get. Hmm, that's very interesting. Because I've heard the Young Bucks thing, because I, I particularly like the Young Bucks. Um, not everything that they do, because I can do, I understand what people say, you know. Some sometimes they just do too much in a match, um, but I do think Nick Jackson is the best hot tag person. Oh, the of, one on Wednesday was incredible. Yeah, I, well, yesterday <laughs> his hot tags are amazing when he gets in the ring. Um, so I can I can sort of understand that the mm, the Orange Cassie I gotta see because the 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 way it played out last night for me and the show played out. We can get into the show now. Mm-hmm. Um. I felt like that this is going to be a place where you won't see everybody every week. And this Wednesday we got, I don't want to say the core, but it pretty much was. You know, you got your, you got Kenny Omega situated with Moxley. You got Jericho mm-hmm. situated with Cody. Um, I guess, I, I'm not sure, but I think that's a group that they're making. With Jericho. Yeah, it looks like it's a little faction. Yeah, with faction. Um, you had uh, Swagger come out, which, you know, I saw a lot of people dumping So what you think about that? You know what? I enjoyed it, and I'm going to tell you why I enjoyed it. Because it wasn't like a TNA thing, or it wasn't like they promised us anything. They didn't promise us anything at all. So when he came out, I was like, you know what? The way they're standing, the, the way they were in the ring, I'm like, if he's a heavy... Then I can I can dig that. So what do you think about the idea? And I've heard some people say this of taking dudes who were on the mid card or lower mid card in WWE and then presenting them as upper mid card or main eventers in AEW and the perception that that gives. Uh, I think both of us are fans of Christian, but I, like I remember like watching Christian just be like a tag team dude and the funny dude with the funny entrance in WWE. And then, and like, three months later, he's the TNA world champion. And it was just kind of like this startling thing of seeing this dude go from getting beat all the time to be, suppose, me being able to take him seriously as the top guy. Do you think um, AEW needs to stay away from that? Like, what are you thinking in regards to that? 
it depends because I was just talking to somebody about that maybe a couple of maybe a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about Christian. He was still Christian. The only thing he did was come out in TNA and throw a couple of jabs at WWE. He was still Christian. But with the swag, you know, with the swagger thing, if they lean more to well, he's undefeated in MMA and don't go into that don't go into the whole uh we the people thing. You know that you know the crowd are gonna be the crowd right. and they may have to work itself out and stop doing that. But if they present him in a different manner, then I think it will work. But right now it's just jarring for a lot of people to say, Oh, they just signed Jack Swagger, you know. Well he could be like, um, do you were you watching Impact when Lashley was the champion? Yes. And they had him as like the badass MMA dude that was just beating the shit out of people. Yeah, like that you could do. Like you could do that with, because when you see him, the other thing with AEW, and I, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, and I, you know, people may take this the wrong way, but like I often hear people say like size doesn't matter anymore in pro wrestling, mm-hmm. and I'm just always like that's true, but it's incomplete. With the fans, the hardcore fans, because the audience has windowed down to mostly hardcore fans now that watch wrestling. Yeah. We used to, you know, you know, if you look at the ratings from like seven, eight years ago, there was four million people, almost five million people watching Raw. Mm-hmm. Now it's like two million. And so those fans went away. They're still out here somewhere, but they went away. And I don't think this is causation, but I absolutely think it's a correlation between the business getting smaller and fans going away. There's something to watching the NFL and seeing a 6'4", 265-pound dude running a 4'5", just being athletic as hell, or watching the NBA and seeing LeBron James at 6'8", doing ridiculous things. And there's always something in the business about these big guys doing big guy things, and or not so big guys, but they were still big guys. Like If you look at Shawn Michaels, he wasn't a big guy, but when he got in the ring with big guys, he didn't look tiny. Mm-hmm. If Shawn Michaels walked in WWE right now, now Bret Hart they would be one of the bigger guys on the roster and if he was in AEW there'd be like three guys bigger than them than Michaels and Bret Hart on the entire roster and so when Jake Hager got in the ring last night oh, he looked enormous <laughs> yeah it was tough. he looks like a giant next to everybody and I think that's actually a good thing for the company to get some bigger guys in there but I think it also could hurt them in a way where people start to see how small the Young Bucks are or how small, you know, like people like Darby Allen and Joey Janela and some of the other guys are. And I think they got to be careful with how to use someone like uh, Hager in that sense, unless you just make him the Brock Lesnar badass. And then if you want to do that, I'm with that. But you're going to have to work on changing the perception of him with wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. Most like most certainly. Like the one thing I can say when he came in and he started doing his whole his whole WWE moves, I was like, uh, we got to change that. <laughs> we mm-hmm. got we definitely got to change some things. And I don't say he had to go away from it, but I guess, you know, it was easy for the people to pick up on. Oh, I remember that guy. That's, you know, that's Jack Swagger or whatever. Um, right. I think that wrestling has become as far as fans have become like you say it's a hardcore audience now you know everybody knows about new japan ring of honor and stuff like that so they're familiar with a lot of these uh wrestlers that, that are in aew even in your know, even in the independence they have worked in so i don't think there's a big i don't want to say you know people aren't clamoring to say oh bring big guys in bring big guys in but no 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 what i mean by that no, is what about the audience that's not there 
like the audience that are you like it, are we just going to give up on the people who used to be wrestling fans or and we're just going to be content with you know the audience that's there i think rich asked me that before and i just think i think those fans are gone now i'm just okay. looking at it now i think they're gone i think those fans have said you know what i'm good with wrestling maybe some people maybe a few people snuck in last night and you know the, you know the wrestling back on tnt let me check it out and see what's going on i don't know mm-hmm. but i just think those fans are gone now because i think i think you would have eventually they would have eventually snuck in and came back especially you know with how wwe's been moving now and your nxt and they just didn't come back. Those I think those fans are just gone. Like you said, now it's just like a mostly the hardcore audience. And the people that were curious last night, either they're gonna stay or they're gonna watch because I see the ratings just came out and I believe mm-hmm. uh AEW got one point four million people watched. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. But you know, that that's was great. Most, that was mostly curious. Like, let me see what's going right. on. Now, you know, it's next week. And the week right. after that, and the week before, WWE's fine with uh, 890,000, 91,000. They're fine with that because you know what? That's probably be consistent. That would probably right. be a consistent. Okay, thing. so here's another question for you. So, and and this kind of ties into what you're saying with some of the fans being gone. From from like 2008 to like 2013, TNA was god awful. It was horrible. With Russo writing that show. Like, it was a bad television show on Spike TV. Mm-hmm. But somehow, during that time, damn near every week, they had a million to like 1.3 million people watching that show, despite it being a bad television show. I think those those fans are somewhere. Like those, Like, those people, I don't think those people just all gave up on wrestling. I'm not even talking about, like, WWE's 4 million fans. I'm talking about if you had a million and three people watching that horrible TNA Impact show every single week, no matter what, there's wrestling fans out there to be found. And so some of that is they know the names of the people in the past. TNA has Sting and Kurt Angle and all the people from the most popular day of wrestling. Well, in modern day wrestling. But do you think that AEW can keep I know they're not going to have 1.4 million every week. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe it'll keep growing. But I don't think they're going to have 1.4 million every week. But do you think they can get 900,000 to 1.2 on a weekly basis? 900,000, yes. Uh, Maybe 1.2. I don't know because this is the one thing that I found interesting. uh, NXT did a lot to try to take viewers away. And AEW, to me, now, you know, you can tell me how you feel. It looked like this show was booked uh, maybe two weeks ago, and they went right by the book. They didn't change a thing. They didn't care what WWE was going to do because they're in a different position that NXT is in. Because NXT, they're established. They, everybody knows who the stars are over there. Everybody is going to watch that show, irregardless if they don't watch it on, you know, Wednesday. They'll watch it Thursday or they'll watch it whenever. The pro, the 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 thing AEW has to do now is actually make stars, make stars, make mm-hmm. great TV, make have these good feuds, and they're banking on 
for people to buy their pay-per-views, which I think is a mistake, but we'll get there. Um, they can keep that number around 900,000, I think. I think that's going to be a sweet spot for them. Because the 1.4, I don't know. 1.2, I still don't know. Maybe 1.1, somewhere around there. I don't know because it seems like they have a plan and they're going to execute it. And mm-hmm. I just found it very interesting last night that, you know, it just seemed like a it, it wasn't a home run show. It seemed like it was a, a triple play show. A show. Like they, right. you know, they got their base, got to their bases, and you know they were fine. Now next week we're gonna work on it. Maybe you can send some send some runs home, or whatever. But they have a plan, and I think they're gonna go. But NXT's in a different position, and I think what NXT needs to do is not do what they did last night. <laughs> Don't do that again, because yeah, they can't. You can't keep doing that. Yeah, it's impossible. If you keep doing that, then what happens to the takeovers? Right. And there's none. And and let's talk about this. The optics. Woo. I had my laptop and TV on. And I gotta say, mm-hmm. my TV was on AEW and me looking at my laptop, yeah, I had to wait to pretty much AEW was off and go back and <laughs> I really They gotta to, get out of full sale. And 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 that's where the issue comes in because once you say we're gonna leave full sale, are they gonna be able to fill houses? Are they going to be able, and then when you fill the house, you have to bring a great show, like a super dope show, because those people want to pay their money to see see an event. Then what happens to your takeovers? You see, your takeovers take a hit. Well, here's the thing: AEW kind of has the right strategy, and NXT could absolutely do the strategy, and it's kind of the Nitro strategy. If you remember, uh, in the in the mid '90s when Nitro came out, what they did was. They ran a bunch of the southern buildings that the territories used to run, the Mid-South Coliseum, the Omni, like a bunch of those. They, you know, they went around to Tennessee, Georgia, Florida. They ran those things. And then they, they slowly expanded to the Midwest and the West. And then they eventually, in the late 90s and early 2000s, got up north more often. But if you notice, what they did in the beginning while they were building before, you know, the NWO thing hit and they just blew up mm-hmm. is they were running a bunch of college towns and college campuses. And then they were doing those nitro parties and they were doing those nitro parties and they show up on the campus and they make it this whole thing with the and interacting with the students and getting them pumped up. And then those people would go to the matches and to the things. And that did two things. One, it pretty much guaranteed that you were going to have a rowdy, good crowd in a building that's not too big but also looks major league enough. Because if you go to, you know, University of Florida, uh, Florida State, you know, University of South Carolina, UNC, University of Maryland, like you go to places, big basketball schools, they have real arenas. They're not 20,000-seat arenas like the Verizon Center, the Capital One Center in D.C. But, you know, they're 8,000, 9,000, 10,000-seat buildings that they can fill, especially if you get a lot of students to commit to come. And then what it also does is, it helps you build a new audience. Like one of the biggest audience that everyone's trying to get is that 18 to 21 to 24 year old to like everyone, not just wrestling, but everyone wants that person to watch television because they're not watching TV like they used to. And if you can go into these college campuses and get those people, get those students and those young people involved and get them to come to the, uh, to the shows, you can really build some interest into your show, have good crowds, but also like create a new audience for wrestling. Because the rest of the audience is getting older. They're like our age and honestly older than us. 
Like mm-hmm. the I thought the, I thought I read somewhere that like the median viewer for Raw is something like forty nine years old or fifty years old, something like that. Which means that like the people our age are not watching, and the people even younger than that are not watching in the way that they used to. And there needs to be something that gets those people back into it because I don't think that wrestling as a genre has jumped the shark. I don't think it's roller derby. Like I don't think we're done with wrestling. And I think this Fox deal could help, but I think reaching out to that age group can really make a difference. But you know what's interesting? It's like, I mean, look at this. We got a week of wrestling. We have a full week mm-hmm. of wrestling, but it's it's scattered. Nobody can nobody can like make that jump into like the threes or fours. Like you got you got TNA. And somehow TNA is still around, but they're on access now. And that's going to help them out. Let's see it. Let's see what that do. Um, Raw is not the A show no more. <laughs> it's not. Nope. I hate to tell people, but now the Fox, yeah, SmackDown's the A show now. So I just, if anybody has a chance to do something like that, it would be AEW. And I think just because it's fresh. But the the bad thing about that is it's hard to say, hey, do you want to see this guy named Kenny Omega wrestle? Who? You know, it starts to be that right. thing. And it's like, how can we get eyes on them without them really, like, realizing, like, they're getting into something? I don't know. I don't know. I wish it was an easy answer for it. And I'm sure each promotion is trying to figure it out, and you know, for the exception of Ring of Honor because – I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah, it's just um, it's just one of those things. Like, what do you do to get that eighteen to twenty four, eighteen to twenty six people to say, "Hey, I, you know, I want to watch wrestling." But I think you got to go after them. You got you gotta you gotta actively go after them. And I don't think that I'm not one of these people that are like, "Oh, we need to add to air back." But I do think having more. Uh, not a, I don't even mean to say serious, but just more adult like stuff will get those people. Because here's the thing, kids, uh, you know, and you can. I'm not a parent, but you know, parents. I'm, I'm sure parents know this. Kids don't want to watch stuff that's designed for kids. So, like when I was 12 years old, I wanted to see some cool stuff. I didn't want to see Mr. Rogers. You know, I didn't want to see PG. Stuff I did not. I'm not saying parents need to let people watch rated R stuff, but one of the things that with the attitude error, and it went too far at times. But one of the things that why the attitude error's average age was so young is because it felt edgy. It felt like something that is cool, that's hip. And if you watch, like we all watch television shows, we watch The Flash and Arrow. The Flash, if the Flash, we've seen the Flash in the 90s. The Flash in the 90s and the Flash today are nothing alike in tone. The Flash in the '90s was silly, and, and not even talking about CG wise or <laughs> anything like that. I'm just talking about the tone of the show. It was silly, it was jokey, it was very hokey, yeah, and very like, oh, this is a superhero, la 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 type thing. And if you watch the Flash now, it's still funny and light, but it's also very adult, and they have adult themes and adult situations, and that makes people of a younger age watch those shows. If you put the Flash in the '90s on television now, no one, will, nobody would watch. I mean, nerds like us probably would watch it, but people wouldn't watch that show because it would be too silly. And I think wrestling, not saying it's silly, but having people act like grown men and women and talk like grown women, men and women, 
on the show can make it go a long way with appealing to that audience. But it's going to take some time. And I think AEW, what I'm most interested in AEW, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, is my favorite part about wrestling growing up was the personalities and the promos. It wasn't the work. It wasn't the ring in-ring work. It wasn't the moves. It was, I want to see this person fight this person because that'll be cool. Or I want to see this person cut a promo. Or this guy's funny. Or he's hilarious. Or he's mean. And he's going to get his ass kicked. And the one thing I haven't gathered from AEW and for NXT for that matter, at least recently, is where are the personalities in the promos? Everything seems to be so focused on the in-ring and putting the best matches, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's like the best matches, the best matches, the best moves. And I'm like, where where are the dudes that's cutting these great promos that's getting me excited? Where's the rock? Not saying there's going to be another rock, but where's the guy that's going to be funny but also ridiculously intense? I see that, and we'll talk about that with NXT, but I see that in Montez Ford. Like, Montez Ford has something that no oh. one else has that I'm seeing. He got like there's, he's Yeah, he's not ready yet you can like there's things he's still kind of raw and mm-hmm. things and he's not ready yet but he has that thing that you cannot teach he has that it factor he has that charisma that thing that just makes you look at him and say who is this dude like he has that velveteen dream has that now here's the thing velveteen dream cut a promo last night and it wasn't that great of a promo if we're gonna be honest like the promo was i enjoy what he said but he's not he doesn't have that delivery yet but he has that aura where it doesn't matter what he's saying yet. You still want to hear it, and you're still interested in it. And I think with AEW, you know Jericho can cut a promo. You know he's great at that. But who else on that brand can get you in by talking? And, and not that I need 20-minute promo segments like it's been on Raw for the last 20 years, but I do like to see the talking segment that gets me interested. Uh, what do you think about that? And who can do that in AEW? Mm. That's a, that's a good thing. I think um, I think Kenny can, but you have to put Kenny in the right situation. Like I think it have to be like the video, you know, the video package or something like that. I'm not sure how it was work on live, Mike, just because I just don't know. But I know as far as video package, I think Cody can. I'm almost sure Cody can. Um, like who's going to the back, like? I like. I know we're talking about this. I know I'm jumping all over the place, so sorry about that. It's fine. But, Go ahead. Um, I really enjoyed hearing Tony Schiavone on, on commentary. Oh, he just has a calm nature. That not calm, but just like this. He just sounds like a wrestling. I don't know. Maybe because I just grew up listening to Tony Schiavone for so many years, but just hearing him on television was just so refreshing. I know exactly what you're saying because I felt the same thing, and I'm gonna tell you in a way. I'm gonna tell you, Tony Schiavone standing that he brought Jim Ross. He it almost felt like Tony Schiavone made Jim Ross comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've and this is the best I heard Jim Ross in since I watched everything AEW has done since you know they announced it, their shows all in all that good stuff. Jr. has been involved in, and it was almost like you know we ain't missed a beat. You know I know oh. you, you know me. Mm-hmm. We can do this. We just, you know, and Excalibur just was like, you know, I'll fall back and let y'all have it. And it felt good. And I didn't have to go, oh, JR, please just stop talking. <laughs> it just felt good. And, right. to- and Tony Schiavone sounded happy to be there. 
He sounded excited and genuinely happy to be back on TV calling wrestling. Um, I've been I listened to the uh, Brian and Vinny show on the Wrestling Observer, and they've been going back and watching all the Raws and Nitros from the Attitude Era week by week. And so I was like, okay, I'll do that with them, and that'll be something fun to see what I remember, what I don't remember. And if, when you go back and watch those shows, there's a reason why people love Jim Ross. He was fantastic. Like, he was amazing on those shows. Sometimes those shows aren't as good as people remember. Trust me, they're not. Some of those shows are terrible. But Jim Ross had a way of making things seem more important. He had a way of getting you excited and making you care about these characters. And then don't get me started on the end of the show angle or some big brawl. No one's better than Jim Ross in the 90s at calling the end of the show angle or some big smaz or some big thing that happened. He's the best at it, making you want to know what's going to happen next. And I've been watching AEW and I haven't seen him get to that level. And he, he didn't necessarily get to that level yesterday, but he sounded more like the Jim Ross that we know. And I think you're absolutely right that it had a lot to do with being comfortable with Tony Schiavone. But what I was going to say is they had a segment with Tony Schiavone interviewing SCU uh, in the, uh, on the ramp. And when he was just standing there, and I guess this is just because of my age and things that I watched, but it just reminded me of how many years did we see Tony Schiavone stand in the ring or stand at the TV set and hold that microphone for Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And he's just standing there. And then those people are just cutting these promos and making you want to see this match. And SCU's not bad, but I'm just like, I want to see someone. I don't want to see the 20-minute back-and-forth promo that we've been seeing for 20 years. I want to see somebody get 30 seconds, maybe a minute, have an announcer, and then you go sell me on this next match. And you go talk shit about your opponent and pump me up as a as a baby face or as a heel, make me want to see you lose. And that, to me, those are the things that keep people watching, not going out and having four-and-a-half-star, four-and-three-quarters matches every week. But, you know, it's funny because now it almost feels like wrestling promotions have catered to that now. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, even, I mean, you can look up and down each promotion, and it's almost like, no, we're going to let the wrestling speak for itself. I mean, for the, like you said, for the exception of uh, Montez Ford, uh, Velveteen Dream, your Cody's, uh, Jericho, Kenny a question mark. I think nah, I, I enjoy Pac or Pac. Pac or Pac, I don't know how you say it. I think he just looks like a surly son of a bitch, <laughs> just an angry little man. <laughs> I but, do like him a lot. Yeah, when he gets on the microphone, he's engaging. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to what he's saying. You got a lot of young young guns back there, AEW. And I'm a little, I'm a little worried about uh, MJF. And okay, th- yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What do you think? I love his act. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. But they have to position it in a way that is not the same each week. And him not mm-hmm. being on a show each week may help. But it can't be the same song and dance of him coming out just talking crap to the fans. Because it's just going to get tired. It's like, okay, I want to hear you talk shit to a wrestler. Like, that. let, let me hear that. Like, it's cool, you know, oh, yeah, me and uh, Cody are best friends, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Oh, this Poduck Town. You know, it's like, that's cool. That was cool when you were doing the little monthly, uh, every two month or whatever, three month pay-per-views they were doing. But now it's a weekly show. So you can't, you have to 
really make yourself, you know, stick out from everybody else because that's going to run, you know, it, it can quickly run out and people get tired of it. So, but I do like his act. I think he can be a Miz type character for AEW in that mid card because I'm not really too sold on his his in in ring work. But I mean, that don't really matter, you know. But yeah, I think he carries himself like a star. That he like, does. But he, yeah, you're right. He can't come out and say the same tired lines. Oh, this crowd sucks. I'm better than you. You don't get any women. I sleep with all the women because I'm the best. Like, that's going to get old quick. Yeah, because then, the, it, then it'll start becoming cheap shots. Like, you know, you'll right. start to get low ball. Like, you'll start doing something like, really? Come on. We don't need to go, like, the ECW route. Come on. Right. But the way he carries himself in the promo, like, the way he speaks and his cadence and his voice and how he looks, he sounds like a star. Like, he would fit right in in any time period in wrestling. Get this man a microphone, give him 30 seconds, let him talk. He sounds like a star. And I kind of, I just kind of miss that in wrestling. I don't know. I just kind of miss that. Like, we're Friday night, not to get too off, but Friday night SmackDown is tomorrow, the first night on Fox, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock on that show. And I know this is kind of unfair, but every single time Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock, or for that matter, Ric Flair, or any of those dudes come back to Raw or SmackDown or to WWE, and they get in that ring, and they give them five minutes to talk. They just seem like the biggest stars on the show. And I don't mean, like, because we know they are they're the biggest stars. I mean, just watch if you just watch the show in the context. If I told you, you never watched wrestling before, here's a wrestling show. And then when they come back, and you watch the one where they come back and return, they just seem like huge stars. And it's just something about that those the presence of those people the way they command the ring the way they command the crowd that you just i don't know i just kind of miss that in wrestling you you know what it is it's that they had to they had to go through that long road they had to do you know work here work there um started from the i mean completely starting from the bottom and working their way of trying to find that character having the room to fail having the room to grow now you don't quite get that in you know in wrestling. You get here, there's a piece of paper, you know, say what say what's on here. Say exactly what's on here. So mm-hmm. a lot of these younger guys don't get to fail. Like <laughs> the rock was so bad, people were saying, die, Rocky, die. Mm-hmm. You get what you know what I'm saying? So you know, hey, how can we reinvent him? How can we get him where he need to be? And even when he came back, when he started back as a heel, it still was growing pains. <laughs> so he mm-hmm. got the chance to grow into being a rock. Austin too. He had to travel the road of world class and uh, WCW, getting to WWE for the bad character, and then being like, you know what? If I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna fail on my own. If I get fired, I get fired. But ha- you know, but having that opportunity now, everything is just so tight knit. I don't think these guys and girls get to grow like Kevin Owens. He should be spitting hot fire every time he get on the mic because we know mm-hmm. he can. He's been doing this mm-hmm. since Ring of Honor. But now it's, you know, you can't say this, you can't say that. You know, and they don't give a lot of trust. Now, I mean, they do trust some people because you can tell they trust the Miz. Um, and mm-hmm. they, they somewhat do trust Kevin Owens, but they just won't let these guys, you know, let these guys and girls just go out there and just, yo, just go for it. Don't, you know, don't go overboard. We trust you. 
get to get these pinpoints out here, go for it. And but my thing is, one of the things that a lot of people are saying is that they want AEW to be alternative. They want it to be different. They want a lot of people are hoping AEW gets people very excited about wrestling, but they're kind of like, like they're not doing those things either. AEW isn't like at least so far in the shows that they've had. You got Jericho, who's fantastic, but the rest of them dudes, they're not out there cutting promos or being larger than life figures. They're just going out there and having matches. And well, I know that the show just started, but I've I've seen some shows that being the elite, and I get it. I think it's kind of funny, but it's not. I don't know. If that's what you can present to the mainstream audience to get people excited, or to like. If, quite frankly, if I saw being the elite, we're not going to see that. But if I saw that type of promos on uh dynamite every week i probably would stop watching you know what being elite is i can tell you exactly what being elite is being elite is kevin smith mm-hmm. because because they fit hand being elite and kevin smith fit hand in hand for the simple fact of when they went out there last night and you know they did the whole thing of uh you know more than the time sucks nobody got it well, i got it I got to chuckle out of it because I'm like, oh, I watch all the Kevin Smith movies. So I understood what was going on at that moment. But that Kevin Smith isn't for everybody. So being an elite isn't for everybody. It's like a niche thing. So I think um, I heard Tony Khan because I was listening to the Wade Keller interview. He kind of knows it now that, you know, being an elite is a YouTube. Pretty much it's a YouTube thing. You know, you can watch it on YouTube or whatever. That's not something that's going to work every week, every Wednesday. So we're going to like, you know, just keep it for YouTube. And I think that's a smart way to go with that. But as far as the other wrestlers, especially for AEW, I think AEW is going to be more a breath of fresh air. I don't think they're going to change the game. I don't think they're going to do like, you know, well, they pretty much have changed the game because, I mean, look at these contracts these people are getting now. <laughs> yeah, that's, just, yeah, that's great. Just not to leave, you know, don't leave the WWE and go over there. So, here, we'll throw money at you, ridiculous money at you so you can stay here. But I think we're going to have to grow with these characters in AEW. And the people who stick along and go for the ride are going to, you know, I think they'll get the most out of it because a lot of people are just not going to wait that long because they're going to be like, no but they did but i'm gonna tell you something for me uh last night the mvp for me of that show was uh the young kid um 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 sammy 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 because i was like okay he got to work with cody cody made him you know made him like a million bucks he got interaction the beginning and the end of this show and now next week for the person who's going to stick around like, oh, I know that Sammy guy. I'm not supposed to like him. They know him now. So next week, hopefully they can do that with somebody else. And it grows from there. See, this is this this is like the beginning stages for everybody. And a lot of people going to jump off quick. I wish it wouldn't be like that, but that's just the way it is, because a lot of people is going to be like, oh, I'm sick of this. And another thing. This is just me personally. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I think Cody, Kenny, Young Bucks, uh, Adam Page, they are too aware of what the internet is saying. Oh, you're only going to push yourselves. Oh, you're only going to put yourselves over. 
they're too aware of that. And I think they know that now. So now it's like, okay, Cody, you go ahead and have this little run, which I don't expect Cody to win the title against Jericho, but I think it's going to be a great match. But, um, now it's like we got to book ourselves to lose, or we can't book ourselves this way. They're too conscious of it now. And I don't think that's good because I think Kenny should be like, – Kenny should be, yo, we're going to drive this home. Not Roman Reigns, but, hey, let's show what he can do in the ring. How, how long was he in the ring last night? Maybe for two minutes, three minutes? Yeah, he wasn't really in there. So nobody got – you know, everybody in you has heard about this Kenny Omega guy, Kenny Omega guy. And now you got free TV, and I didn't get to see him wrestle but three minutes. Uh, okay. That's what you want to do. Here's the thing. Kenny Omega, and I mean, I'm just going to be honest, in AEW so far has not been very stand – like, he hasn't stood out to me. And I and part of that is how they booked him. They haven't really booked him very well, in my opinion. Just like I didn't think they booked Adam Page well to be in the first ever championship match with uh, Jericho. But I think Kenny Omega – I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think he is a niche dude. Like, I don't know if the masses are going to take to Kenny Omega the way the hardcores take to him. Because the hardcores watches the – like, here, here's another thing. I watch Kenny Omega versus Okada, and every time I watch them, I come off way more impressed with Okada. Like, I think that dude is unbelievable, because he is. But I think that dude is unbelievable every time I watch him. And I watch Kenny Omega, and I go, he's really good in the ring, but it's just something off about him, just something weird or something just not clicking with me. And I don't – I kind of see that in how he's being booked at AEW and in thus with the hardcore fans. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that happens because at some point that audience is going to have to grow. It's mm-hmm. going to have to grow. And it's going to have to expand. And in order to do that, you're going to have to create people that make you want to do that. Or you have to be WWE when you've just been in the game so long that, you know, people just call watch WWE. doesn't really matter who's there. Uh, but even with WWE, it's like here's another thing, like, which we haven't talked much about NXT. But I watched that Adam Cole-Matt um, Riddle match. And I like Adam Cole a lot. And I think he's great. But you watch Matt Riddle. And I'm like, that dude looks like an athlete. He carries himself like an athlete. But even, but besides that, he has a character that you kind of know and understand who that character is. Now, there's debates on can that character cut main event promos and be <laughs> like, you know, like with Rob Van Dam, you know, it was always like, what are you going to do? But he has a character. He has a character that you can get behind that you can understand that's very clear. But when he walks to the ring, he looks like a star. When he takes that jacket off and he gets in the ring, he gets in his fighting stance, he looks like somebody that will beat you up. And then when he gets in the ring, he performs. Like, that is a star to me. And I'm just struggling to see those types of dudes in AEW yet. I could be wrong, but I see Cody and Jericho. And I like the, I like the Lucha Brothers, but... You know, how many times am I going to see a match with, you know, five Canadian destroyers and six flips over the top rope? And I know I sound like that guy, but every time I watch that match, that's what I see. And so I don't know what I don't know what you want me to say when I watch that. And uh, and eventually those things are spectacular, but eventually that's going to get kind of old. And I want to see 
I want to see how you're going to... I know it's early, but I haven't got any indication on how they're going to do character-driven storylines. Like, I see Moxley, and he's great here. Better than he was in WWE, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he just kind of has that feeling about him, like this loose cannon. Like, you don't know what he's going to do. He's a crazy person. I love how they present him. But then I watch these other matches, and I'm just like, oh, we're going to make this match because it's cool. Yeah, and, I, I think... I. I See, I just see it differently. I think Kenny Omega is a star. I think he is a star that people will latch on to. Even if it's that they have to get into his work rate first, and then he takes a, you know, you know, he gets, people have to grow him, and you have to learn about him. And then, you know, because, like they say, he is a very, you know, kind of weird guy. But I think all those guys are kind of weird in their own little way. Um, Lucha, Lucha Bros, I'm glad you said that. They need to be... Uh, marketed more, and I, because I just think they're awesome in the ring. Um, I do too. I yeah. Especially Pentagon. Yes, to it, me. Like he Phoenix is spectacular, but Pentagon. I saw him in Lucha Underground be this fucking just down to the bones dude fighting these like street fights. Like I've seen that dude do different things. Yeah, and I, I'm almost sure. Well, I'm hoping he have a solo singles run. In AEW because, yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, like you said, Moxley, they have it. They um, they have the the guys there. I think I'm more concerned about that mid card and that lower card because I think you do have a great. I think you do have great acts like um, uh, what's the dinosaur? <laughs> God damn, I always forget. Oh, uh, Luchasaurus. Yeah, they call what they call the Jurassic Express. Yeah, the That's Jurassic the Express. I love that act. Like I think they can open shows a lot I, of weeks. I think so too. And Love them. The crowd would be going insane. Also, I think uh the the Luchas the big guy he can he can have his own little run. I don't know how serious you could take him with the mask and the old dinosaur thing, but he's awesome in the ring. Yeah, but here that's another thing. He's only like six four. Like he's like a six four, two hundred forty pound dude. But when you see him on that screen, he looks enormous. With everybody else is in the ring with him. And I think it's just a weird... I don't know. Maybe I'm just too caught up on that. But it's just a weird thing with me when I... Like, I watch Adam... I love Adam Cole. But, you know, like our friend Cam, he's always saying, like, Adam Cole's like the dude that's at your work cubicle. Like, that you're just going to see hanging around the water cooler. Like, I... But Adam Cole can talk me into his matches because he's a fantastic promo. Yeah. And to me, that's what you got to have. Like, if you're not going to have... If you're not going to be... Um, if you're gonna be work rate based, or you're gonna have smaller guys, then give me some dudes that can talk me into you being a smaller guy, and like I watch or be just fantastic in a way like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are. I watch those two dudes, and I'm just like, have they ever had a bad match? Like literally, since they've been on NXT, have they had a bad match or just an okay? Match? Every time I see them, it's great. Every I, time. I, I remember watching them in Ring of Honor, and this is from Ring of Honor to now. I don't remember them having a bad match. Well, I walked away and ever. said, oh, they had a bad tag match. and Just ever. So those two are awesome. Um, and Kyle O'Reilly's a small dude, but he carries himself like a badass. Like you, and he's that, not in there doing, you know, fli- and I hate to sound like this guy, but he's not in there doing flips and shit. He's in there doing submissions. You remember, like, remember, and you know this, remember American, well, not American, what was his name, um? What was Daniel Bryan's nickname in um, Ring of Honor? Um, uh, American Dragon. Yeah, American Dragon. American Dragon Daniel Bryan was in there putting people in pretzels 
in all types of moves. And it didn't matter that Daniel Bryan's 5'9", 180 pounds. That dude looked like he will take your arms and twist you into a pretzel until you have to submit. And same thing like with Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko had no charisma at all. He was a stone face. They called him the Iceman. But Dean Malenko, Malenko got in that ring, and he looked like he will twist you up into pieces. And I can I can get behind that. But it's hard for me to see the 5'9", 165, 185-pound dude get in the ring with a 6'2", 230-pound dude and beat him doing flips and spins and cartwheels and hurricanrana. Not, and not even like Rey Mysterio style, but just it just... I don't know. It just comes off differently to me, and I guess that's just me personally looking at it that way. But like I remember seeing like Seth Rollins in the Shield. And Seth Rollins compared to a lot of these dudes is a big dude, but Seth Rollins when he was standing next to Roman Reigns didn't come off like a big dude, but he still came off like a serious dude that you don't want to mess with. And it's just I watched it, and I don't mean to get back to him, but I every time I watch the Young Bucks, I just look at them and I say, these people they are out here playing wrestler. And I just and I don't and I know I can't be alone in that, um, even though I can acknowledge their athleticism. You're not alone in that because uh, even um, Shahid, who do codes with me sometimes with the movies and stuff, he says the same thing. Like it's just some. Not only that, it's just some about the young bucks to just rub them the wrong way. So he's not really a yeah, fan same. of them, but he but he can acknowledge that they're you know what I'm saying they can, they are athletes. They can things they can do in the ring are amazing. Um. And I'm not really mad at that, but my my pushback is, I just like when I hear people say, it, I'm like, but it's wrestling. We all we all have turned off turn off our brains when it comes when it comes to wrestling. So it's like I can turn off my brain if I can turn off my brain for just wrestling itself. Of course, I can turn off my brain for the young bucks doing a flip here, flip there, or hurricane. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to turn on my brain for wrestling. I don't mind the flips. It's just when it's like. 20 of them in a match. Like, they all, then I know I'm exaggerating, but there's more than, like, to me, if you're going to do that stuff, you need to have it be impactful. Like, I remember, um, like, when you were growing up and you'd have a dude that could do a moonsault, that did moonsaults, they wouldn't do, like, a suicide dive and then a tope and then a shooting star press and then a 450 and then a twisted move. And then at the end of the match, they do that moonsault and you're supposed to be like, holy shit, he did that moonsault. It's no, you do your match, you do the match, and then you have some impactful moves, and then you hit that moonsault, and it looks crazy. Like Chris Daniels, moonsault still hits. That BME still hits because when he's wrestling, he's wrestling like a 40 year old dude, and then all of a sudden he hits that BME, and you're like, holy shit, this dude just did that great moonsault that looks perfect and nailed it at the end of the match. And so even though Chris Daniels is another 5A dude, I watch Chris Daniels all the time. I'm like, this dude's great. Like he's fantastic. I love him uh, so much, and I I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. It's just the amount of moves. I think that was another reason why. And I don't mean to go into that, but when they had the Adam Cole um, Gargano series, right? Mm-hmm. The first match of that series, I freaking loved. It was fantastic. It was a little much, but it was just great. No, like it was emotional. Amazing. It was amazing. The second one, I watched it, and I was just like. You really kicked out of that. Like you did a Canadian destroyer into a pile driver into a power bomb into a lariat, and you kick out it too. Like I'm, I'm just watching it, and then you get up five seconds later, and you're doing the flip, and then you get up five seconds later, and then you're doing a dive to the outside, and then a, a springboard DDT. Like I was watching them, just like 
this is too much. The like ma- this is too. These are two little dudes doing way too much. The matches turned into and, they turned into uh, yeah. independent matches. That's they've, yeah. I mean, they they basically that's basically what happened. And after twenty five minutes of seeing seven thousand moves, I was just like, "When's the finish? Please get let me get to the finish." But if you remember in NXT because they've had some great matches, if you go back to like those Sami Zayn title matches or uh, the the Finn Balor title matches or the what was it was it Finn Balor and Andrade that had the really great match. Like, those matches had moves in it, too, but it wasn't so many that they still hit when they did them, right? They still matter. And I feel like if you're going to – they're going to – the Young Bucks, because they, like, they talked in press conferences that they're going to present the tag titles and the tag teams as main eventers, which mm-hmm. I'm pro. I, I want to see tag team have more emphasis because I hate how WWE marginalizes tag teams all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to tell me that the tag teams are going to be the main event, if you're going to have – um, if you're gonna have the young bucks, who I'm presuming are gonna win the titles, uh, no. or the Lucha Brothers, <laughs> no. and the, young I think it. they are. Young was not winning the titles. They, I, I'm, I'm telling you, they are in their heads on this stuff. They are not winning the titles. I, I agree, but you can't put it on the dark order. You can't do that. No, they won't. No, no, no. no you no. can't put it on a dark order. So your other option is really SC. I think SCU would be great tag team title talk. T- tag champions to start just because they're heels and they can cut good promos and you can have people chase them. But if you don't do the Young Bucks, your other option is the Lucha Brothers or SCU because I don't think Private Party's ready. I don't think they're ready to put no. them as your top tag team act. Um, then you have the best friends. No, they're not. <laughs> no. And wait, a wait a minute. That no, what's wrong with the best friends? They just die hating for you? No. Okay. <laughs> and then I love the Jurassic Express, but to me, they're much better chasing the titles to me. Like, I don't think you want them to hit the top right away. I think you want them to work from underneath and build up to be, to get to that match where you're like, I want to see these dudes win the title finally. Like, when the Rock and Roll Express is chasing the Midnight Express for a year and a half, and they finally get that match, and Ricky Morton is bleeding, and he's reaching, and he makes that hot tag, and they come back, and hit that double drop kick, and win. Like, you get that baby face to fight and fight and fight and get them back to that. That's great. Like, that's what you want to see. I don't think you can put them to start. So if you don't do that, your only two options, really, the only three options are the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, and um, SCU. And if you if, if what you're saying is true, if you don't think the Young Bucks are going to do it themselves, then it's really the Lucha Brothers and SCU. And I love the Lucha Brothers, and I'd be cool with that. But then they're, that's the same type of problem. When when they are together, they get into those spot fest matches separately. Like I've seen Pentagon, like I said, I've seen Pentagon have real one on one matches. Not real in the pejorative sense, but you know what I mean. Whereas, but have we seen him? Have we seen the? Uh, are we ready to see those spot fest matches every week on television? I don't know because I think you would get a lot of the. I think what you're talking about is the matches with the Young Bucks. I don't think every match will be like that. No, I'm just saying because I mean, if you put them in with um, uh, uh Santana and uh, oh LAX, yeah, yeah. If you put them with LAX. I don't think you would get the same type of match. It'd be completely different. But I'm trying to remember. I I never watched their matches in um Impact, so I'm not sure how those matches were. Um, you know, I need to go back and say this because I might be wrong. You know, they were really pushing this dark order thing when they first got there, no matter what. So I might be wrong. I might be wrong. They might put the belt on them. 
You can't do that, though. That's a mistake. You think you think that's okay? No one cares about those dudes. I don't know. They they seem committed. They seem really committed to these to, to they this. They seem committed. That's true. They seem really committed to them, and I can see them thinking like, "Well, you know what? People don't like them, but we can get them to get into their matches." It every, they just did everything wrong with them. <laughs> just the way they presented them, it uh, I don't know. It just nah, whatever. Um. So I'm gonna say Lucha Bro, Lucha Brothers, Dark Order, or SCU. I just really think the Bucks are gonna stay away from the titles. I think Kenny's gonna stay away from the title. I think Cody's gonna stay away from the title because I don't think. You know, I think um, Tony Khan and I think all of them are smart enough to know is if we do this now, it's gonna be too much backlash about. Well, you know, you guys are executives and. You just you, you know you booking for yourselves and you're trying to put yourselves over, and I think they are smart enough to know we are already over. Let's get these other people over. Let's 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 try to help these younger guys out this year. Let's try to make some new stars. Um, that's why I'm almost sure. I'm positive that Moxley's probably gonna come out on top of this feud with Omega. Um, just to give Omega, you know, I think I think they want to present Kenny Omega in a different light in America. Because in New Japan, it was, you know, Kenny Omega, he was, he was the man. Or he was like, you know, the 1B. If he wasn't 1A, he was 1B. Um, so here, I think, and like I said, Kenny's a, he's an intricate, weird guy. So I think he might want to experiment with character and do a lot of different stuff with his character and stuff over here. So. Yeah, but what's his character? Right. Like, you know, you know Kenny Omega from New Japan, but if you are somebody, put yourself in a position of somebody who started watching AEW with double or nothing, and you've watched, and let's just say you've watched every AEW show since then until now. What is Kenny Omega's character? Who is he? Uh, if I had to guess, oh, I, he is uh, a Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's just a dude. He's just like the only dude that's like they've they've done like I know more about Darby Allen than I do Kenny Omega, way more that's about true. Darby Allen than Kenny Omega. I know more about Sammy Guevara than I do Kenny Omega. That's true. Cody Rhodes, I know a lot about him. He looks like a freaking star. Like that dude looks like a main event star in any promotion in the, in the world right now. And I he think- carries himself that way. And that- here's another thing, and I'll say this before I let you go, but uh-huh. I just want to get this out before I forget. They also, like low-key, and this may sound nitpicky, they got to work on their theme songs. Like, theme songs are, a big, to me, a big part of the presentation of wrestlers and how you get into them. And one of the big reasons why WWE stars are so iconic is because they have those iconic theme songs that as soon as the first riff hits, you know who's coming out and your crowd gets excited. The only person who has a good theme song in the entire company is Cody. <laughs> That's Everyone else just sounds like generic... Remember WCW theme songs? No yeah. one knows any WCW theme song except Hogan, who had Jimi Hendrix, Macho Man, because he had the same one he always had, Ric Flair, because he had the same one he always had, Goldberg, in the NWO. I remember Sting and Lugers. And Sting, and Sting, yeah. And Lugers to an extent. I don't even remember. I remember Lugers when he was the perfect event, or whatever he was. The, yeah, he, he had like two different ones. Total package. But... But you think, but there's like six dudes. That's it. 
No one like if I tell you like who what was Brad Armstrong's theme song or what were people remember the Steiner line theme song, but it was corny as hell. But Can, like WWE had theme songs that everyone who comes out, even the lower card dudes, you know their song that hit hits you. And I think like you, that's all part of the presentation. And when Cody comes out there with Pharaoh and Brandy, and they look like all three of them, including the dog, just look like superstars, just like larger than life people. And they get that slow walk to the ring. They got that serious look, and they got the good music and the pyro. And Cody's got the good tights and the and the weight belt. It's just a thing that carries him, and he looks like this dude that's a star. You know and why? I see Kenny, you do know well, why, yeah. right? Why? WWE, like he learned, yeah, how yeah. to be a star from WWE. No matter, you know, whatever the reason he's that not there, but he learned. He's like, okay, I know how to be a star. I know how to present myself, and this is where he has to teach and show these other guys there too. Like, hey, if you want to be a star, if you want to be big, these are the things that you're going to have to do. Because I don't see, even especially on NXT too. Because <laughs> somebody need to tell Dream, I love Dream. But, uh, bro, you got to get some tights to fit because you just be – come on, man. <laughs> come on. But, uh, yeah, you know, those are things that these guys have to learn and figure out. See, it's just AEW is in this weird position. Like, they're in a great position to be on TNT and, you know, fans are pretty much receptive to, you know, what they're doing right now. But now it's like, well, we want to know who these people are. And now you have to like put the you, know, you got to figure it out, like you really have to figure it out because people are not going to wait long. That's my biggest fear for them. People would drop off, start dropping off quickly. That video package they did to start with uh, with um, Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes was great. It was great. I enjoyed like, it. Yeah, it told me who they are, why they're fighting. Cody talked about what it means that this company is starting. And what this match means to him going forward in his title quest against Jericho and how he can't afford a loss. And Sammy Guevara was like, I heard Cody talking about I'm a good young star, but I'm telling I want y'all to know that I'm ready. And I've been waiting for this my entire life to get to this point. And this is who I am. And I'm this dude. And, I, and I'm ready to go. And so you go into that match and you got two dudes who you know a little bit about. You know why they're wrestling, why this match is important. And that who wins matters, and that this and this decision matters. And so I'm like, yes, let's do this, let's go. That's fantastic. And then at the end of the at the end of the night, in your main event, it's Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks versus Jericho and the Lucha Brothers. For what? I, when did the Lucha Brothers and Jericho become together? When did? Why are Cody? Why are why are the Young Bucks in? Uh, uh, I know why the Young Bucks might be mad at the Lucha Brothers because they jumped them at the last thing, but why is Kenny Omega there? Why is he still mad at Jericho? Because he lost fair and square to Jericho on the first show. Minute. I think was you mean LAX, right? You don't mean Lucha Brothers? Well, Lucha Brothers. I mean, yeah, LAX. LAX. Yeah, that's what I mean. LAX. You know, I yeah. think that I think uh, that that was a whole thing of the battle lines were like, okay, here go your good guys, here go your bad guys. So yeah, we we're trying to get you know this is who you boo and this is who you cheer. Yeah, but why is Kenny Omega a good? I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. <laughs> okay, this is what I'm gonna say about Kenny Omega, and I think I've figured it out talking tonight with you. The Kenny Omega thing is, if you follow Kenny Omega from New Japan, you should know who and what he's all about. 
Then the issue. Oh yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, yeah. I do. I'm talking. I'm speaking from if I'm a fan who doesn't, who did like. There's going to be a lot of fans who, probably who don't watch New Japan, who've never seen New Japan. I'm speaking about from that perspective. I watched all of the Omega Okada matches, and I watched this, a lot of this New Japan stuff. I'm talking about the person who doesn't. If you are just tuned into AEW, and this is your first time seeing these dudes, what do you think? Wh- who is Kenny Omega to you? Kenny Omega is to me. He's just he's a just a dude. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a guy who got beat by Pac, who got beat by Jericho, who got jumped and got his ass whipped by Moxley. <laughs> Who is it? Like, why this, am I supposed to? This the, I'm, if I'm an American fan, right? And I, um, let's say I'm a pompous American fan who's like, I'm on Twitter and I hear all the Twitter wrestling fans talk about how great Kenny Omega is and how great New Japan is. And so I hear, oh, Kenny Omega's coming to this American promotion, AEW. Let me check him out. And so then I watch him and I see him lose to Jericho and then get jumped by Omega and then get jumped by Moxley and get DDT'd on a chip, a poker chip. And then I see the next time I see him, I see him get into a ring with Adrian Neville, the cruiserweight 205 live champion, and get his ass kicked and submit it. What am I supposed to think when I when I see this dude? He, he takes L's. He takes L's, right? And so they they if he's going to be your centerpiece star, which he was presented as in the negotiations, because WWE wanted him a lot too. If he's your centerpiece star, then you got to make him your centerpiece star. You got to give people a reason to get invested in him. And I think what they're trying to do is tell this journey of like, he's fighting from behind. He's had some setbacks, but like, I don't think that's what you do when you're introducing someone to a new audience. I think they're playing too much to their core audience in that matter. And their core audience will be fine, but new people are going to be like, yeah. And if we're going to be completely honest, if you're gonna, and this is not my style thing, but if you're just gonna go off an of in ring, like having, like in New Japan, he had some of the best matches in the history of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. especially with Okada, with Naito, uh, Naito, like un- unbelievable matches with Ishii. He ain't been having those type matches in AEW. He ain't have the match where you just go, this dude just jumped off my screen, a freaking incredible. Not yet, he hasn't. So if you're not going to give me a story and a character to get behind, and then you're not even going to give him the opportunity to just be a badass, like, unbelievable wrestler, so what am I doing? You know? What am I watching? What, why, why am I supposed to get behind this dude? Well, that's, they, have to, they definitely have to change the way they're presenting him. That has to change, like, immediately. Like week, like next Wednesday, or at least by the the third week, they have to a video package or something, because like I said, you know we're talking now about it. He just seems like a guy that takes a lot of L's. And y'all told me if I'm somebody who just seen him for the first time, I'll be like, all I heard was about Kenny Omega for about three years in New Japan. It's in New Japan that, and I haven't seen anything especially if i haven't if i haven't watched anything but the tv program i only saw him for three minutes and yeah he he Mm -hmm. called that work and Um, then he got his ass whipped again so yeah the presentation for kenny omega definitely has a chance and i just like i said i originally said they have to get out their heads about at least about him because no matter what happens fans gonna talk They, they some fans not gonna be happy no matter what and they already know eventually 
if they stick around, Kenny Omega will be a champion. He'll be pushed. He'll mm-hmm. have a bunch of T-shirts. Same with the Bucks, same as Cody. Eventually, those guys will get pushed. But changing it from Kenny, because I really want to talk about uh, uh, Adam Page. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm so glad that, you know, they finally started TV because I feel like what I saw from him uh, against Pac, and that you can tell they got big plans. They got some type of plans for Pac, so I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. But now they can actually tell the story or build up Hangman like they wanted to originally, and it didn't for some reason. I don't know what happened, but he did not feel like the number one contender going in there against Jericho at all. And here's the thing: he has all the tools. All like there's the nothing, tools. there's nothing about a pro wrestler that he does not have, including the promos. Like I've heard him talk; he's not a bad talker. But if you, I think what they did was they go in his. And this is the other thing: is when you talk about their two and two with the internet, they were basically like. The internet knows Hangman Adam Page. They're excited about him. He has all the tools. He's the blue chipper, as JR used to say on TV. We're going to give him this chance. And I'm just like, I'm watching the show, and he went 25 minutes with some dude I never heard of. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm speaking to kayfabe-wise, but even just basic storytelling, like I'm as a movie critic, like I, I study stories. As a storytelling thing, the dude went 25 minutes with a dude and barely won against a dude I had never heard of in my life. And you expect me to take it serious that he's going to beat Chris Jericho, a legend? No. Not a single person thought Adam Page was going to win that match. Not a single person. I just wanted to see how Jericho was going to win. I had no doubts that he was going to win yeah. that match. Um, but, yeah, TV. But I don't. I just don't. I just think he shouldn't have been the one in that match. I think if you were going to do it, if it was me booking, and because I wouldn't have been, like you're saying, worried about the Internet, what I would have done, I still would have had Jericho win the title. I wouldn't have had Jericho fight Omega first. I'd have had Omega beat somebody like Shima, like he did, mm-hmm. and then beat somebody else that we know, and then have Jericho beat somebody and beat somebody else that you know, and then have Jericho and Omega fight for the belt and have Jericho beat him, getting the revenge from the New Japan thing. And then have him have his people come and jump Omega afterwards and Omega be out and have him on the first show on Dynamite. Have him and Omega come out there and try to be the baby face and Jericho comes out there bragging and then LAX and Swagger come out there and they jump him and they beat him and then he's hurt and then Jer- and Omega's fighting back and he's fighting, he's working his way up the card and then in six months or whatever because Jericho's moving on, he gets another title shot and he wins. Like That's how you build a star that you want them to build a star. I'm not saying I'm the perfect person but when the way they did it with him just coming out his first match, losing, then losing again, then beating Shima, then losing again, and then getting beat up in street fights. It's like, you know, who's this dude? Adam Page, they didn't they gave him a win, but they gave him a win in that battle royal. And, and here's the thing. It was silly. And here's I will say this. WWE fans are like, this is silly. And I'm like, dude, there's a Royal Rumble every year. But here's the thing about the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is presented as something serious. It's presented. It's the second biggest pay per view of the year. It is this big match that's been around for almost thirty years, that has cachet and that people care about, and that they've bought into as being something that determines the WrestleMania main event. They put that battle royal on the pre-show, 
you can't put something on the pre-show and tell me <laughs> that person that wins the pre-show match is going to be fighting for the championship. Like you just you can't you can't do that. You know what I mean? It, like I said, listening to Tony Khan, a lot of these things that happen, they if they if they could go back and change some things, they definitely would. And I know for sure that's one of the things they would have changed because it just didn't come off well. Like this is my number one contender, but he's on the pre-show, and you know, and you know, you don't have that much time to really promote this guy and really build him up. So then you got a twenty-five minute match with somebody. And then it's supposed to be, oh, now you're going against Jericho. No way. If anybody thought Adam Page was going to win, I, you need to talk to me. Let me know. Because, no. Everybody knew Jericho was going to win. But, like I said, TV's here now. And I think I agree. If, if, if he can stay healthy by this same time next year, if everything goes right, if they're still around, they're still on TV – I think they can go back into the chamber with this and say, you know what, let, let's do it again. Because I think now, then you have a, okay, I know him. I feel like, you know, I got a good idea who this guy is. I've seen him in his matches. See, that's what it's going to take for pretty much everybody now. Familiar, familiarity. For people to see them so much and promos. And that's another thing, too. Like we were talking about uh, hearing people talk. I don't know if they're scared. Uh, I don't know if they're nervous, but, you know, NXT didn't do a lot of promos either. But eventually these younger people have to get on that microphone. And I know they have it, to. And I know in NXT they got classes. So I know, you know, you know who they know who can talk and who can't talk. But for uh, AEW, you just got to, man. I don't know what you're going to do. You got to do it live. You, I mean, I, I'm all for working towards someone's strengths. So if you have somebody that's super charismatic and very good in the ring and fantastic, but they're not the best live promo, so you do some sit-down interviews or do some heavily edited backstage stuff, uh, video packages to present him, I'm okay with that. But everything can't be that. There's got to be some time where you say, I'm going to, let's go to Tony Schiavone standing with Darby Allen. And Darby Allen's got to, and Tony Schiavone's got to say, Darby Allen, you've been battling with Cody Rhodes for this much time. He put you through this. He put you through that. Now you finally get your chance to fight him at whatever the pay-per-view is. And Darby Allen's got to be able to stand up for 30 to 45 seconds and cut a promo that makes me want to see that match. He's got to. And I'm not just picking on him, but I'm just saying I'm just using him as an example. Oh, all of them. Some, they've got to have that on NXT too like that's that is a staple of pro wrestling that's not wrestling that's not southern wrestling that's not old school that is a that is the re, that's what makes pro wrestling what makes pro wrestling is not just the fights it's the personalities it's the promos it's you did this to me you did this to my family or you did this to my friend or I don't like you because of this and I'm coming for you and this is why I'm going to win and, and, and you say it however you got to say it, and you do it in a way that gets people excited about it. And and, and I watched NXT on the network, and they had promos. But every, and I know it's only been three weeks, but there's been like two promos this entire time on NXT since they went to the USA. And I don't know if their strategy is AEW is going to be work rate based, so we're going to focus on the matches more. But if I'm WWE... I'm going, 
I'm going to cut some promos so I'm not just like them because I know the promos are going to get people excited as well. Uh, I did a question for you, uh, not to steer your show, but I did have a question for you so because I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, what are you expecting from um, SmackDown on Fox? Not just tomorrow, but in general. Because they've been pushing it hard on these NFL games. You know, let, let's come back to that. Let me finish off AEW because I had that for the last thing. so let's go ahead and finish this off but y'all definitely have that on my paper to talk about um what did you think of the rio and nyla rose match i enjoyed it i nyla rose is green so yeah you know she's got she she's not the polished wrestler but what she is is a credible beast badass she is someone that when she gets in the ring especially with someone small like rio you go she is a beast. And the crowd, that was the match the crowd was in more than anything on that show. And you could argue that that was the worst, quote-unquote, work rate match on that show. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's an argument. I think it's, it's a fact that that was the worst, quote-unquote, worked match on the show. But that match had a story that anybody, whether you're a hardcore wrestling fan, a casual wrestling fan, someone's never watched wrestling before, anybody who tuned in and saw that happening, could understand what that story is and what was happening. It was a big, strong woman who's dominant and confident going against an underdog, supremely talented, technical person who is at a disadvantage because the person that she's wrestling against is clearly bigger and stronger and uh, than she is. And she has to work and fight and claw and scratch to get to a point where she can win that match. Anybody watching that can understand that story and get behind that story. And that's why the crowd got behind it. And when she won, she got a huge pop. And I guarantee you out of the 20,000 people in that building, even though they're hardcore fans, what do you want? I bet you half of those people never heard of real before two months ago. Never. Probably never heard of her. Probably more than that. Just never heard of her. And so a person that you've never heard of before, you can get behind seeing them want to win. I thought it was great. I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the match, too. I thought Rio was fantastic fighting underneath, being the underdog. Uh, and I'm glad they did put the title on her because, as you said, uh, you could tell that Nia Rose is still you know green. But I do, do think with a lot of more matches, a lot of repetition, a lot of you know more seasoning, she will be a badass beast. And I'm not talking about – she's already a badass beast. What I'm saying is – she would be unstoppable. I'm talking about ring work, mm-hmm. her matches, everything. Everything would be tight, and that's what you want. But I think they went the right right route for me, for Rio, for winning the match. Um, I think they're setting up. You think they're setting up. I think they want Dr. Britt Baker to be their man. I don't know. I'm not they sure. They even brought her out on commentary. Yeah, but I wasn't sure. I, I don't know about because I because I was. I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought she was gonna be you know in that first match uh, mm-hmm. for crowning the champion. So I was surprised that she wasn't in the match unless they she goes heel, and which could possibly happen. Um, well, maybe their strategy, similar to how we just talked about Omega, and how you talked about what the Young Bucks are. Maybe their thing is we got a person that we want to be the main star. But our way of getting them to that is to have them lose the start. Yeah. So if, like, maybe they see Britt Baker as that, but they're like, why don't we put it under Rio 
and then have Rio get beat by a heel. And then Dr. Britt Baker comes up and is that trying for baby safe. And then she's the centerpiece star. Yeah, it possibly could be that way. And, then, you know, I'm thinking that because I'm thinking um, I'm not sure. And I know Rich would know, but I'm not sure if this is like, a, what you know, when they come over here for an excursion for the J- Japanese. I'm not sure if this mm-hmm. is it for her. I'm not sure how that goes or whatever. So I'm not even going to say it. But um, speaking of that, though, did you see EO? Last night, I absolutely did. She's, That's a star. She's so good. She she's so good. good. She I, might be the her and Shayna might be the best. Just all around wrestler, like people who know their character, but are also fantastic in the ring and putting on great matches. Like I don't know if there's anyone better in the entire company than those two. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna fight that. Um, let's close the AEW thing. Last last thing about AEW. What is uh your pros and cons? Maybe one or two pros and cons that you take away from last night. Things that you like or didn't like. Uh, just your top top two. Yeah, I thought the commentary was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think us WWE fans have been on some very low lows sometimes with commentary. They've had some highs, <laughs> but. You know, there's been some <laughs> some bad commentary at times on WWE television. And to be frank, and you know, we've talked about it on Twitter a lot, us too, and then, you know, with people that we, we, we value and follow, like the Cam and Rich and other people, JR's been kind of not good at times. Like it's no better way to say it. Like he's hasn't been good. He doesn't he's like he doesn't know people's names, doesn't know some moves. He says some real old school stuff. Hmm. Uh, to put it lightly, um, but last night he was great. Yeah, he was great. Excalibur was great. Tony Schiavone was great. They made the show seem serious. They made it seem major league. It was. It just something felt so eerily familiar. Seeing Tony Schiavone on the Turner TNT wrestling show. I don't. It just was. Just something that warmed my heart. Seeing that, it was great. I thought that was great. I think that they did a fantastic job starting the show off with Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. When I heard that I was going to kick off, I said, why the hell are they kicking it off with some dude I never heard of? But you took a dude I never heard of and put him with a dude that I have heard of that carries himself like a star. And you gave me a video package to learn a little bit more about the dude. Yeah, man, he came off as a star, and you kind of made somebody in that match. You made somebody in losing, and you made me care about somebody who I didn't even know his name was, you know, seven days before that. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. And then the the only, I don't really have any negative negatives because some of the things I've been critical about they're not they're not game changers for me. They're not something that's going to make me not watch every week. But I do think they have to do a better job of building characters. You've got to—I know it's your first show—but uh, you've got to—you've got to take some time to build characters. You've got to take some time to build stories to give me reasons to root for people and root against people. And if you don't do that, eventually I'm going to get tired of seeing these matches and want to see something that makes me emotionally invested. And if that's not there, people are going to walk away. Um, and so I know it was just one week, but I need some type of indication that somebody other than Cody and Jericho, you want me to care about. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. 
Um, my two takeaways uh, are basically AEW's uh, – I don't know how next week is going to look, but this first week it looked major league. No matter what, it looked like a major league wrestling show, and it didn't necessarily look like WWE. It looked – you know what I mean? It it didn't look like WCW. It didn't look like WWE. You knew it was wrestling, but it was major league, and that was the big thing takeaway from me. Takeaway from me is that if they stay in full sail, it's just not looking good. It's like looking at the ECW arena and then looking at a <laughs> a WCW show, <laughs> and, it, and it's just like a. I mean, it didn't, it don't look as bad as the ECW ring because you know they got the lighting and, but you right. you, it, you can no, tell I know the what you difference. Mean. You know what it looked like? Remember when they had that Evolve show on the network? Yes, a few a few weeks ago. Yeah. It looked like that. Yeah, because they dot. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that I think I didn't like, or I wish they wouldn't have did, was the beatdowns. I think they would have been fine with the ending beatdown and left it at that, but you had to beat down at the beginning of the show. Then you had to beat down at the end of the show. Then you had to beat down after the women's match when Omega yeah. had to come out there. It was too much of that. I think they should have just stuck with one, and it was, you know, the end of the show was to be the best one because you would have saw this, maybe this faction coming together, and then you would have said, okay, these are the people I'm going to boo, and these are the people I'm going to cheer, or whatever it may be. And I guess um, Moxley is going to be your Austin-type character who's just going to be a wild card and do what he wants to do. Um, other than that, I mean, I will give the show pretty much like maybe a seven. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I enjoyed I the show. I enjoyed the show. It has its at one, oh, one other thing. It didn't have as many flaws as far as cutaways and – Wrong names coming up. They were they were pretty tight with that uh, week one. Yeah, keep they were good up. with that. They got to keep that up. But we'll move on to that, and we'll move on to NXT, and then we'll move on to SmackDown because, yeah, we definitely got to talk about SmackDown. But um, what did you think about uh, Finn Balor and Ciampa coming back? Well, we knew uh, Ciampa. We knew I'm Ciampa. happy, for, I'm happy for Finn. Listen. Oh, listen. If Finn... Is keeping his main roster salary, but he's working NXT, and so he only got to work a couple house shows. And that Wednesday night, oh, Finn is winning. Oh like, yeah, everyone on the roster wants that gig. There's nobody who don't want that. <laughs> they get to be away from Vince, and also making Vince money, like uh, main roster money. Oh, uh, Finn, and he's going. He's probably if they tell like he gets to move back to Tampa. And, you know, you get to drive to work or move to Orlando. You get to drive to work on Wednesdays and go home after work. Yo, that's the life. Like, that, he's living the life if, that's, if all that's true. And he's great. Like, we haven't seen him on TV that, in a while. Uh, he's great, man. He's, I love Finn Balor. And I love how they're setting up multiple challengers for the champion. Yes. It, the heel champion. The heel champion is cocky. He's been interfering in everybody's matches. His crew's been interfering in his matches to help him out. And now you're like, hey, man, I just wish there wasn't. Honestly, as much as I usually am pro clean finishes, I kind of wish it wasn't a clean finish in the. um, I kind of wish it wasn't a clean finish in the Matt Riddle match. 
Because then you'd have had like this badass MMA dude mad at you. You got the champion who never lost his belt coming back to get his belt back. And then you got the big star former champion coming back down to NXT. The NXT legend who wants the belt. And you, the heel champion who's been getting by by the chin of his hairs on his chin, got all these people to deal with. Like, that's great storytelling. That's great. It's great enough for two. It would have been great at three, but I'm good with two. I'm good with that. Ciampa, one, I didn't know he was coming back this soon. Like, I thought his neck injury was, like, it's been, like, six months. Like, you know, not to say that it's not serious, but six months, I didn't think he'd be back in six months. So, one, I just hope he's okay from a perspective of his health. I hope he's not rushing back. And I don't think they would rush him back at this point. I don't, at the, you know, WWE in the past would have done something like that. WWE in 2019, I don't think they'd do yeah. anything like that. And they were so fine. They I'm were more fine without him. So it's not like they desperately right. needed him. Right. So if he's coming back, I'm led to believe that he's doing really well. And so if that's the case, one, he looked great. Like he looked in great shape. He looked in fantastic shape. Um, I don't know. Here's the thing. Ciampa was so great as a heel. He was the best heel in the company. Maybe the best heel in wrestling for a long time. He's not going to be a heel coming back off a neck injury. Going against a heel faction like the Undisputed Era. And he was a good baby face in DIY, but I thought he was a much better, even better heel as champion. I don't know that dynamic of him being the baby face challenger to the heel champion. I, I'm not sure about how that's going to work. Um, but I am. Ex- I was excited to see both of them, and I was surprised. And I did hear. I was listening to somebody say this, and they were. And this was something that you brought about earlier with the optics. Is that imagine how cool it would have been if they were in a fifteen thousand seat arena, and they had the smoke come up, and they had the full WWE Raw Finn Balor entrance out of the blue at the end. When Adam Cole's walking back up the ramp, you know that would have been great. I was thinking about that um, this afternoon when I was coming home. I was like, "What if they just flipped it? What if they did Champa first and saved Finn for later?" Because <laughs> I think it would not to knock. You know, Champa's cool. You know, I love Champa. Champa fan, but it's different because Finn Finn Balor said, "No, no, you on Raw SmackDown. You not you left. Like you, you know, you kind of graduated from NXT." So mm-hmm. I think it would just hit a lot different, but I mean, it's all the same. But they front loaded the show. They put the main event first. Yeah, it, and that's what I <laughs> front loaded the show was. I don't know <laughs> now, man. I don't know. I think it was a mistake doing that. But um, mm-hmm. but, but the one thing about I this cold thing, this cold thing is reminiscent of '80s Ric Flair when he had Luger, yes. Barry, and Stink. When he had everybody on his ass. And I, I'm almost sure that's what Triple H is doing because you know he loves his Ric Flair. And, and he had a crew to back him up. Yep, and it's almost reminiscent of that. So I, I, I'm enjoying this, that he has a lot of challengers, you know, that he has gunning for him, and, and they're making it be known, like, yo, we're gunning for you. I'm gunning for you. So we'll see mm-hmm. how they play out. I don't know who's going to, like – I don't want them to – I hope they – please do not do a triple threat match. That's the one thing I do not want. I don't want that either. I feel like they can't help this. I feel like they're going to help. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. I feel like they cannot help themselves. Like, oh, uh, but I don't want that. Um, but yeah, 
you're right. I didn't even think about that, but they're absolutely setting it up. And that was what I was talking about earlier with like the size. Adam Cole's a small dude, but I buy Adam Cole as the main eventer because of how he carries himself in the promos that he cuts. And it, he feels like a star. He feels like a dude that's a star. And even when he's in the ring, I don't like the Panama Sunrise. I hate that move. I hate it with a passion. <laughs> I just hate it. just looks so ridiculous. The guy's just bending over, and then you jump on him. And then, like a spring, it flips you into flipping him. It's just so Like, I know we turn our brain off of wrestling, but it's such a ridiculous move to me. Like, the Canadian Destroyer is such a ridiculous move to start. But that one is even more ridiculous. But outside of the Panama Sunrise, everything else he does is great. The super kicks, the the suplexes, the uh, shining wizard that he does. I forget what he calls it. Um, but yeah, I love Adam Cole. And then he and then what's the best part of Adam Cole is after he wins, he comes on the show the next week with his whole crew who all got belts, and they just talk shit about how much better they are than the rest of us. I love it. I, I love it. That's I love great. It. I love That's it. That's so great. It's 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 just that thing of you know <laughs> I want I told you know, I told you what I was gonna do and I did it and I love it when heels do that. I you know just I just get a kick out of that. It's just so horsemanish, full horsemanish when you know when they used to do the same thing. So seeing it now in twenty nineteen with just a different group you know, set of wrestlers, it's cool. Um how do you feel about the NXT Cruiserweight Championship? And let me let me let me say this because they changed the name to the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. So I guess it's now I guess this title is just now on NXT. That's I guess that's what I'm taking from it because they changed the name. You knew that, right? Or did you just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Because Leo's fighting next week. Okay. This is my only issue with it. You got the Cruiserweight title in NXT now. And if I'm just a casual and I turn on the TV and say, oh, Leo Rush and um, Drew Gulak are fighting for I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and then I see my the world champion, I'm going to be like, why isn't he fighting for the Cruiserweight title? What's the difference? Yeah, what's mm-hmm. the difference? And I don't know how this going to play. And maybe I'm just inside my head just thinking too much. But... Just get rid of the cruiserweight altogether. Make it a TV title. If you just if you that if you have to have another belt better. on TV, if you have to have another belt on TV, make it a TV title. But yeah, this this is my whole thing. It just goes back to what I've been talking about this entire time with like the size thing. It's hard for me at the time when when Finn Balor was fighting for the championship. It's hard for me to go on one segment. You tell me, this is 205 Live. You have to be 205 pounds or less to fight for this prestigious belt that at the time Neville had or whoever was fighting Neville, they were all fighting for the belt. And then in the main event segment, I see 186-pound Finn Balor come out there, and he don't want that belt. And I'm like, but this is the World Heavyweight Championship. So is he is heavyweight meaning is there a weight cap on heavyweight but not a weight minimum? Like what's going like if you were to, if it was real like that type of thing if it was real, and so I I get what you're saying I think honestly and, and this may sound like I'm hating, but to me it was worse with um, Gargano than with Cole. Um, even though Gargano's a little bit more cut than him, he's a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. Like 
Johnny Gargano looks like he has to be like five seven. I think he's shorter five, than Daniel. Tops. Yeah, he's definitely shorter than Daniel. And the thing about Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan is thick. Mm-hmm. Like he's got thick legs and he's got a wide chest. And so even though he's small as in height, he don't look like a tiny person out there. He watched he wrestled Brock Lesnar. And it Brock Lesnar was way bigger than him, but he didn't look ridiculous out there. Johnny Gargano, it was a bigger deal to me because he was so just small to me. Whereas Adam Cole is at least kind of tall. Like Adam Cole looks like he's about six feet tall, probably. He's not thick, but he's he looks like he's about six feet tall. So he walks out there and and he looks like that. Whereas but and then here's the thing. If you put the title on Leo Rush, I don't think it's not so bad because Leo Rush came out there and stood next to Adam Cole. He would look like a small person. Yeah. Uh, next to Adam Cole. But if you got somebody like you remember when like Tony Nese had the belt or Buddy Murphy? Yeah. No. It didn't look right. Buddy Murphy's what... much bigger than Adam Cole. <laughs> that would look ridiculous. Like, can you imagine if you told me Buddy Murphy's the two or five champ on the same show as your main champ as Adam Cole? That would look ridiculous. I'm still, uh, I'm still believe he was two oh five. Buddy Murphy is not two oh five. I was just like, not. he is like two twenty, two fifteen. Absolutely, same name with Tony Nese. Yeah, and even Drew Gulak's not the smallest dude. Um, mm. But yeah, if you get dudes like um, uh, the dude Sin Cara or Leo Rush, and you know you have all five 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 six hundred and sixty pound dudes. I'm okay with that because at least it looks different. But if you get like Cedric, like that, Cedric Alexander's in the ring with AJ Styles and with um, Drew uh, McIntyre, and he's not as big as Drew McIntyre, obviously, but he is cut up and muscular in a way that he looks competitive with those dudes. Mm-hmm. And you were trying to tell me that dude is the same as Leo Rush? Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I, bro, yeah I, I'm with you. They need to be a little careful with that. That's all I'm gonna say because I mean I guess they're they, they feel like they have their heart, their audience, and their audience will be okay with it. But if you want to grow, that's some things to you know be cautious of. I don't know because it's just like I agree. Well, imagine what happens when they bring that big dude up to actually be on TV. The oh. big black dude. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine on NXT television how big he's gonna look? Um I'm gonna be nice. Um hopefully he'll make it to TV. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Listen, you I think Vince hasn't been down to the performance center. Cause if Vince sees that dude, he's shooting him straight to the main roster. He's shooting him straight to the main roster, but I don't trust. He's gonna be Kali. I don't trust. No, I don't trust Vince with black superstars. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just don't. I don't either. I don't. Well, I heard the thing. I trust him more with big giant black men than people like Kofi Kingston. I, I just don't trust. Listen, they, they got my man. The, the street prophets be playing two characters. On Raw, they shucking and jiving, and on NXT, they out there. Nah, man. I don't. I don't trust. Nah. I don't trust it. I don't. I don't really like. I it. I agree, but you gotta remember, street prophets aren't big dudes. He fucked up with Mark Henry to begin with, right? Well, that's true. But if you if you remember when Hall of Pain Mark Henry came back, that character was one of the best characters on the show, on any show, on any wrestling show. The Hall of Pain Mark Henry beating the shit out of people, world strongest slam in, nothing coming out, cutting great promos. Talking about how he's going to beat the hell out of you. 
and then he came out and did it. Yeah. Like that character was great. He does okay with big dudes, but it's the regular sized black people that he feels like he has to give them quote unquote black gimmicks. You know what I mean? Like they have to have a stereotypical black gimmick. Well, and and then he even turns that up to the extreme. Because like the Street Profits, yeah, you could know. say it's a black gimmick. I mean, the idea of being called the Street Profits is kind of, you know, a racial thing. It's not a negative racial thing, but it is. It is can be considered a racial thing. But then they get to Raw, and, and here's the thing: some of those segments are hit and miss to me because I find Angelo Dawkins to be hilarious on Raw, for the most part. It He's is. Had some, yeah, go ahead. It, it, it is something. I think when it first started, it was fine, but I think Vince either saw something that made him laugh, mm-hmm. or and he just was like, "Oh, just turn it up, turn it up." And there's just like, it almost became like, "Oh, here they go back doing this mess again." Just get them on uh, Wednesday night where Triple H know what he's doing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. No, I just, no, you're right. You're I right just know. Yeah, I just know they way different on Raw than they are on uh, NXT. Um and they also don't get to wrestle. True, yeah, that's another thing too. But hopefully, you know, the XFL will work out, and Vince won't be there a lot, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> but we know that ain't happening. <laughs> that is that. The one thing you cannot say about Vince McMahon is that that man. I don't know if he's an alien or something, but I have no idea. I don't. I have no interest in being Vince McMahon's age and working as hard as he works. None. I, I in a bit. Can you imagine being a billionaire? Being seventy-two years work years old and working as hard as this big man works, why? Why? Go home, let your son-in-law run the company, and you show up every now and then and be a character. Because when you don't show up for a while, you're still a decent character. So you show up, you do some Vince Mr. McMahon shit for a segment or maybe a couple weeks if you have a little small storyline, and then you go home and enjoy your billions of dollars. I don't understand why you need to be at every show every week. He's uh, every week. I don't know, man. He's just one of those. I think he's just one of those people. You ever see those people that just have to work their whole life? They just can't stay home because if they stay home, they just don't have nothing to do. He has to stay busy. The XFL will be fine, but we know it's not going to last. <laughs> so he didn't pick yeah, the right not. thing. He didn't pick the right thing to do. But Because uh, you hear people say, like, how long, when does Triple H take over? And I'm like, no investment, man. That dude is not retiring. He's he's not going to be in charge. And I hate to be morbid, but when he dies, that's when it's going to be over. When he's dying, as long as Vince McMahon is in good health, that man's not retiring. And the unfortunate thing is, you're wasting Triple H's prime years where he could be in the. I don't even know what to say now because is there a, a, a main roster now? I don't think I don't think it really is. I think it's just well, it's the main roster. If those dudes aren't getting paid, like Raw and SmackDown people, because mm. no, ultimately, like if I, I bet you, if you ask the wrestlers and you say, as a creative person, like as an artist, what do you want to do? Be Raw, SmackDown, or NXT? A whole lot of them are going to say NXT. But then if they tell you, you don't get to keep your pay, so you either can get this main roster money. Or you can stay on NXT and be a roster uh, uh, artist. Some of them are going to want to go to NXT, but a lot of them are going to be like, "Hey, man, listen, I love my art and stuff, but you know, you know, I'm getting paid 750k, right? Like, 
it's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I want this money, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But here's the thing: with that SmackDown contract, they got enough money to pay all these people well. <sighs> they did. They got plenty of money to do it. Man, oh man. Um, yeah. Let's finish this up quick, uh, <laughs> because they got paid. Um, how did you enjoy the uh, Candice LeRae? Uh, uh, Shayna. Yeah, Shayna. Can you think of her name? Candace is a Candace is a great baby face. Um, just a fantastic baby face. Um, but Shayna, I don't know, man. I don't think it don't get much better than her. She on a different. Level. No one knows their character better than Shayna Baszler. There's no other than Brock Lesnar. Her and Brock. It's funny that the two MMA people, but her and Brock are the most believable characters on WWE television. When they come out, I believe they're badass, 100%. I'm scared of both of them. I don't want to fight either one of them. Um, And I think the person that they're fighting has no chance and is going to lose. And somehow, both of them find a way to make their opponents look credible enough to a point where you think they're going to win, only to, in the end, get beat. I love it. But at some point, she's going to have to lose that belt. I don't. I think EO's the person. Some people think it's gonna be Rhea Ripley. Um, that may happen. I like Rhea Ripley a lot, and she looks bad. She's badass too. Um, but she's gonna have to lose that belt at some point, I think. Um, but yeah, I love Shayna Baszler. Love her. Yeah, I'm not a big Candice LeRae fan. I mean, she's good, but I'm. I was. The only reason why I was hoping she was win was so EO could come and beat her. Because <laughs> like, I was like, oh, if she win, and EO just, you know, wash up real quick and take the title from her. But So, speaking of that, if there was a woman, you can finish your thought, but I wanted to, because I, I always forget stuff, so I had to get it out. If there was a woman, like, to be Finn Balor, right? So, a woman from the main roster to come back down, um, who would you want that to be? This is going to sound crazy, and I've had this conversation before, but I will bring Dana Brooke to NXT. Oh, okay. Because, you you know, the cute, the cute thing is to say Oscar, but, like, look how long her reign was. So we don't want to do that again. And Kyrie Sane and EO, you, you know, this kind of too similar, so you don't want to do that either. So this is the thing about – Dana I've been you know because I always tell people you know she didn't really get a chance to really learn learn so I've been checking out a lot of her stuff when they you know she was wrestling on main event and she was actually getting better like she was having better matches and I think it's because you know she like she said she was going down into Florida to you know learn practice and train and I think NXT would have been a great environment around all those different women different styles all those women on the same goal to learn what she can learn with them and make herself better because she has a look. She's a, she's a gorgeous woman and there's something there, but I think there's too much damage that's been done now where they're like, no, we're going to keep paying you to, you know, just take these losses um, whenever we need you. But I, but I, I, I honestly think if she could have the chance to grow in the ring. Yeah. I will send her to send her back down to NXT. I think I don't think that's bad. I enjoy Dana Brooke. <laughs> she um 
she's a decent character. She got rushed up to the main roster because of how she looks. Mm-hmm. And then when they got her there, you know, they gave her that push. Remember, she was with Charlotte, and they were going to have her turn on Charlotte as a baby face and make her this big baby face. And then you know how Vince gets. You mess up, and he drops you. Yeah. They realized, he doesn't care anymore. They realized, oh, she's not ready for the, you know the in ring thing, and then it became because like when you're on the road, how much time did she how, like how was how was she gonna learn? How is she gonna mm-hmm. get better once you once you say you know what now nah, you know we're not gonna put you in the ring tonight. No, we're not gonna put you in the ring tonight. Oh, we'll put you in the ring this night. So she's not getting that chance to learn, but you know she took it upon herself to go down to Florida, and you know I commend that, and I'm just like yo. Just send her to NXT. Let her learn. Like, you got these girls that's far ahead and that can help her out and ha- actually have the time to because they are all there learning. A lot of those girls has been on the indies and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's, who, you know, that's what I would do. But they don't pay me enough to uh, make decisions. <laughs> I would do Ember. Ember Moon? Mm-hmm. Because she never got to win the belt. She kept losing to Oscar. Okay. I mean, she's I don't yeah, all right. I just never she never hit for me. Like I she is outstanding in the ring. And I think my thing that bugs me now is that they never they never have gave her a character. Like all I know is she's a Twilight black girl. That's all I know. She screams, you know, she's emo and but I don't know her. Right. Like we we don't know we, we don't know anything about we know who the boss is we know who Charlotte is we know who Becky is we know we even know who Bailey is now it took a long time but we kind of figured it out now on the main roster it's like who is Amber Moon she you know the black girl no. werewolf or whatever it's just it's nothing there nothing she was She's just a girl she would fit right in right now with AEW because yep. they're all trying to figure it out they're all trying to figure a character out it's just ugh. I agree but um yeah so Candace I'm happy that uh Shayna won I'm just wondering who are they gonna have eventually take the title off her or is she just gonna drop it you know if, she, if they if they decide to move her to Raw or Smackdown would she just relinquish the title like Oscar it's got to be EO or Rhea Ripley. It's got to be. Has to be. Um, I think what would happen with um, Rhea Ripley would be, I think either one, They, you know how they had that thing where heel is so good for so long that they just become a baby face? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of happening with Shayna, where people are getting behind her even in the matches more as a baby face. Like Candace is such a good baby face face that they didn't really get behind her. But they're starting to get behind her as a baby face. And I think that if they got her at the, the heel work that EO's been doing, if they get her into a program with her, um, I think they can make uh, Shayna the baby face and have EO beat her and take the title. Mm, yeah, I can see that. That works. Um. Uh- as far as the um, Undisputed Era and Street Profits match, I mean, tag match, that was an amazing tag match. I mean. I enjoyed it, but I don't need an overrun every week. I just hope that was just this one week thing. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think it was like, I oh, just, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> you know, they went off TV. We can get some people watching. Yeah, because I don't need the show to go to 10, 20. 10 25 every week. Mm, 10 o'clock That's, is good. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's good. But yeah, Ma- here's the thing: Montez Ford and coming out with Wale, like God, like <laughs> those dudes have so much charisma. Even da- I used to think Dawkins was boring, but the here's the one thing about the main roster: I think the main roster has made Angelo Dawkins more interesting to me than he's ever been, because on the skits that he does in the main roster, they always give him the punchline. They he's gotten more. Give him- He's gotten more confidence now. I can tell yeah. that. They give him the punchline. They give him the chance to react to Montez being just this outlandish person. And Angelo is just the dude everybody has in their friend group. Every fr- like black people. Every black person, every black guy has a dude like Angelo that they know. Like just the too cool for school, just stay chill, but you know, always trying to mack on women. But, you know, that just that dude. Everyone knows that dude. And so, for me, it's like this is a relatable character for me. And then, man, he's been getting much better on his hot tags. That mm-hmm. He's been doing much better on his hot tags. And Angelo, I mean, Montez is a baby face that fights underneath. And then you get that hot tag to Angelo and he comes in. He's been great. My issue is that, you know, um, they've kind of been beat clean. Well, not super clean this time, but they've been beat the last three times they went out there. It kind of seems like they might get moved up. Yeah, that's the way it's looking right now. That's the way it's looking. I mean, I don't see what else, you know, at this point, what else you're going to do with them unless they're going to win the tag titles again. And they have been on Raw all this time, so I guess that's the perfect landing spot for them. To be, I guess be a, And I'm sure Paul Heyman would do good by them I guess as long as Vince okays it but it's just so hard be thinking about them being in that tag the way the tag team division is on you know the main roster or Raw and Smackdown these days it's just kind of you know it's just you know it don't hit the same like those NXT tag matches I mean don't get it twisted the Usos are amazing and you put them in the ring with the right people they're gonna have some awesome matches but I don't know we shall see but overall, comparing, oh, we don't really have to compare. I will say this. I thought that as far as um, NXT went, they had the better work rate show. I agree. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> they went all out on work rate, and they <laughs> they knocked it out the park on that. Now, just imagine if that was in not even like something. Just imagine if it was like maybe in the Hammerstein ballroom or something. It would have came off amazing. But Yeah, just the atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I understand, you know, full sale is like their home and you know Fox gave them a lot of money. So let's just move on to SmackDown so we can get <laughs> Um you asked me a question about SmackDown and uh, SmackDown and Fox, and I, I just want to say this. At first I I guess I wasn't paying attention to the marketing they were doing. And I want to say it has been the last week or so, or maybe two weeks. It has been insane the way Fox has went all in for them. And then not to mention me seeing Monday uh, or Tuesday, Kofi on the early morning uh, sports shows and them actually talking to talking to Kofi as it would, you know, wrestling is a real sport. What do you have to do to beat Brock Lesnar? Chris Carter, like asking him these questions, like, yeah, mm-hmm. even though he was looking on the paper or wherever it may be, they still treated it 
with you know with that respect because I think I noticed like uh, the first week or uh, some I heard Troy Aikman saying something about it and he was all you know laughing wink nod <laughs> yeah I used to watch Hulk Hogan ha ha and I was like ugh this ain't going anywhere you know this isn't good but I think they have to get the right people to promote it and to talk about it and because you know certain people are always going to be that way when it comes to wrestling because you know it's like the <laughs> you know how people are with wrestling. You know how that goes. Yes. So yes. this week has just been phenomenal. Um, I don't think if if this deal goes bad, it would not be Fox. You cannot blame Fox for them because they are putting the promotion engine behind letting people know that wrestling is on Fox on Friday nights. Um, but the unfortunate thing about that is I'm starting to believe that <laughs> when I saw Bruce Mitchell uh, tweet the other day, it may be true, and that's, hey, man, it's, it's still Fox, and it may be time for Kofi to give up that belt to Brock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope not. I hope I hope he wins. I hope Ray Mysterio come out there and with a stick and hit Rock up, a Brock upside the head or something. But uh, Yeah, I, I hope know. Kofi wins, but I, I mean, I will say this. From a, a business perspective, I can see why you would want Brock to win that belt and be absolutely. on Fox. I can absolutely see that. Um, if, uh, he was on Fox as a MM, when he was in uh, UFC. Like the Fox audience knows him. Everyone knows Brock Lesnar. If you're trying to do a sports presentation, there's no one better than Brock Lesnar. I I get that. Um, and if they did that, but they gave Kofi like this unbelievable guy baby face is just fighting but he's just clearly outmatched but he keeps fighting he keeps fighting he keeps fighting and you make him to a star to this massive audience that's going to watch on friday because believe me it's going to be a big audience bigger than any audience has been in wrestling in years i would imagine like i can't imagine it being anything less than three million people and that's a small number to me like i just can't i just can't fathom it they have nothing on fox and it gets a million and a half people on friday it's just random nothing um, and you know you had NFL, you had them on NFL on Fox promoting The Rock coming back. Like there's one thing. Now here's the thing: you can get caught up with the nostalgia, but what WWE doesn't do enough is use their nostalgia to bring people in. Sometimes, I think if instead of bringing back all these stars on one show, if you brought these stars from the past back more periodically and gave them something impactful to do, to the point that you could promote it beforehand. Like, Ric Flair's going to be on the show. The Rock's going to be on the show. Triple H is coming on the show. Like, people from different eras are going to be on the show that people who used to be wrestling fans who are just regular sports fans now know. They know who that person is. They may tune in. And if you can do that periodically and then bring them in and give them a reason to stay, you can build your audience back up. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. I hope Kofi wins because I am enjoying Kofi as champion. But from a business perspective, I completely understand why they may go the route of Brock. And then with Brock winning, if Brock wins, I'm very interested in how where they go from that. Because Brock has not been willing to be a weekly television character uh, in the last few years. But I'm pretty sure Fox would want Brock to be on TV as much as possible. So I thought that would be very intriguing how they play the Brock Lesnar character. Um, being on television more often. They have the money to do it. Apparently Brock's whole thing is, if you pay me, I'll show up. But this is what you're going to have to pay me to show up. So, yeah. now they got the money to pay him to show up. 
Yeah, it's so, going to be interesting to see because I don't even think you want a character like Brock Lesnar on TV each week. Um, and I know what fans will say, oh, you know, you, eh, well, yeah, whatever, whatever. He needs to feel special because he's one of the last few acts that do. Him and The Undertaker, mm-hmm. unfortunately, are those last two acts that it's like, I mean, no matter how you feel about The Undertaker, when he show up, the crowd goes crazy. Same thing with Brock. People talk a lot about Brock. Oh, I'm tired of him. But when he shows up, he gets a reaction. And there's no one like Brock. Yeah. When he shows up, he feels like something different. Yeah. um, I just, man, I'm just amazed that we hear. Right now, WWE on Fox is something that I thought I would never, ever say. I thought I would say, mm-hmm. you know, USA, all, and, you know, and then eventually I'll say, oh, you know, everything goes on the network. Everything will be on the network. But just to say WWE is on Fox is, like, mind-blowing right now. And just seeing it tomorrow is going to be kind of, like, jarring because it's like, what? What is happening right now? Mm-hmm. And it's great. And I mean, it's great for the guys. It's great for the girls. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's good for the bank accounts. It keeps NXT afloat, uh, you know, it helps them down there and foot well, you know, in Florida and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just I'm just interested to see what they do because you know what the big thing is? It's the draft. Like, who does Fox want on that on their show? Like, do you do you yes. really do you really take the fiend off Raw? I don't think you can. I think, well, here's the thing. They still have a contract with USA, too. So they can't just do everything Fox wants. No, 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 not everything. But what I'm saying is, if Fox, now, Fox is giving the most money. And they say, hey, you know, um, we really enjoy that Fiend character. Uh, how about you bring him over to Fox? Do you say no? Yeah, uh, you kind of got to balance that. You got to balance between USA and Fox and how you handle that. And there's got to be a give and take. But they're clearly positioning SmackDown as the A show. Like, it's that's very clear right now. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with that. Like, how they how they handle the roster. They're having that draft next week. So I guess we'll know then. Uh, but, you know, they've already positioned Roman Reigns to kind of be on, on SmackDown. Yeah, that's a gimme. Now Brock's showing up on SmackDown. So... They're kind of moving some of the bigger stars over there. So um, we'll see what happens with Raw going forward. Um, so uh, I got a question for you. What do you expect from uh, The Rock tomorrow? Do you expect him just to come out and do the, you know, this was my show. You know, I started SmackDown. It's been 20 years and we're here on Fox and somebody comes, some heel comes out that nobody cares about. Rock talk shit about them, rock bottom people's elbow, pose and get out of there? Or do you think they might try to do some meaningful thing with The Rock? They have to do something with him and Kofi, right? Like, I think so. They have but to. But remember, he did that thing with The New Day, the, one of the times he came when he was in Miami, and yeah, The but New Day came out there. I'm more of the thinking of, you know, just even if it's something in the back, go get him, champ. Like, just to, that, to acknowledge what we know. Everybody mm-hmm. might not know, but we'll know it when we see it. So I, I think it'll be the same, more of the same. Or has it been confirmed that The Rock is actually going to be there and not like no, like some sending some tape or something? 
Oh, no, he's going to be there. Okay. He's going to be there. Because I was thinking about going because I'm in San Diego. I was going to go up to L.A. So, uh, they're, yeah. They're advertising. He's going to be there. But I'll... here's the thing. There's a rumor that he wants to wrestle again um, if his schedule permits it. And that he would, at one point, they were considering him wrestling Brock. So, if that's a possibility at WrestleMania this year, do you think they shoot that angle right now? Yeah, because you don't know how his time going to you. You do it now to have it there just in case. If he, if he's if he really wants to do it, all right. Let's lay the groundwork now. Let's lay a seed here now. And maybe your schedule will be available for another seed, you know, in November or, you know, sometime before the year out or then January. And then we could do you know the match in WrestleMania. I don't know. That's the first I'm hearing of it. I thought he said he was retired. He was done with it. He was retired. Oh, Rock. Yeah, I could have swore. It I, was, thought they, so I could have swore. I, thought I, I saw thought he went to wrestling. I don't I mean, know. You might be right. You might be right. Like, you know, I. The, I want to say the last thing was maybe two, three, maybe even four months ago. It was like a TMZ thing, and they had asked him something. He was just like, oh, I'm retired, you know, something like that. You know, but it could have been a little tongue-in-cheek. You know, you know wrestlers mm-hmm. always say they're retired, so. Until that payday comes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that The Rock needs it, but. Oh, well. You know, he just loved He, You can tell he genuinely do loves the business. He don't need to come back. He don't really have to come back, but he just does it because, hey. Or do you think he does something with Roman, his cousin? Roman and Daniel Bryan, they get jumped by the Bludgeon Brothers, and, and Rock work. comes out to save them. That could work. That could, yeah. Um, I just don't know. You know, it's almost so easy now to say, "Oh, just put him up. Just you and Elias do something else again." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, Elias, he, Elias is that perfect person. We do. He's basically taking the mid spot as far as the heel that gets beat down by you know, whoever or whatever. Yep. For running off yep. his mouth. Um, do you yeah. think he kicks off the show or do you think they learn from this NXT ratings thing and go, how about we make people stay tuned to watch The Rock? Maybe put them on at the top of the hour. Um, You know, now that you said that, I would not be surprised if it's actually him and Austin that kick off the show. They did. They do something together. I don't like know. Because it it depends. It like it really depends how the show is structured. Like, is the show opening with the title match with um, Brock and um, Kofi? That's a great question. I don't think they announced that yet. See, it, it, that's all. It, it all depends on that too. Because it's like, well, I don't know, but I'm sure they're gonna have, they're gonna have something good for us. I agree. Yeah, man. Um, we'll go ahead and close it out because I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not think we were gonna stay on the phone for two hours. And <laughs> I kind of hijacked the show. I'm sorry. So, no, no, no. That's fine. But you know, I was like, oh, we beat an hour, hour, fifteen minutes. You know, we just went over. But it was fine because you know, this is the place where I wanted to come and be able to talk to wrestling. You know, really as long as I want and with whoever I want because. On other podcasts, it's kind of hard. You'll sneak stuff in, and but it's not really the right time or right form. You're doing something else. But now mm-hmm. that I've got an actual day and actual people that you know, I can you know bounce these uh, shows off and they can hop on. So who up. you got next week? Uh, are, are you not going to announce it yet? Uh, no, I'm not going to announce it yet. You'll probably, okay. <laughs> but 
you should have a good idea. <laughs> you should have. I'm excited. I can't wait, man. Yeah. I love your show. Because so I know it's gonna be good. It's gonna be um yeah, it's gonna be good. And I'm just interested in how tomorrow's gonna go because I just know the number one thing about what I enjoyed uh um Wednesday and what I think I'm gonna enjoy about Friday is that the wrestling community on Twitter was was so much it wasn't toxic Wednesday. It was great. Yeah, like no, either you you were watching one or the other and it really wasn't that bashing that usually goes on. And you know, it was just cool. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that Friday is like that too. But you know, I just know how sometimes it's a little different with WWE. Yeah, that main roster <laughs> crowd is a little bit different. But like like I told somebody else, the people I follow is the people I follow. So it's I pretty much, you know, weeded out the ones that I don't need to mm-hmm. see or whatever. So it's really cool when you get on there and just, you know, chop it up and talk wrestling and see other bodies what they think it and opinions and stuff. Because I'm going to be honest, I avoided a lot of stuff today just to specifically come on here and talk about wrestling because I didn't want a lot of stuff in my head. I was just like, nah, I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening to this. Right. Because once you start, then you'll start rethinking how you feel. And you just, I just wanted to, you know, come with my feelings. I got my notes right here beside me when I was writing down watching the <laughs> show. So yeah, man, it was great. Um, I appreciate you coming on the first episode of I'm Not Dave, and you got to go back and listen to that episode of me telling the story. of. Oh, I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> but uh, tell the people uh, how they can reach you on social media and stuff like that before you leave. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ThatCoolBlackNerd. That's B-L-K Black Nerd. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter talking wrestling, comic books, movies, politics from time to time, just random stuff. Uh, kicking it with Jeff, Cam, all the people you've heard on this show, Rich, all the time. We have great times on Twitter with certain things. Um, you can follow our show on Facebook at Why So Serious Podcast, uh, thatcoolblacknerd.com for my movie reviews. Uh, you can find the show itself on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast out, just search Why So Serious Podcast. You can find it. Leave us a five-star review if you like it. Those help us out a lot. And um, thank you for having me on, man. I've been dying to talk wrestling with someone. I'm supposed to be going on Rich's show next month. Uh, but it's been a while since I've been able to talk wrestling. Um, because my show, the people that come on don't really mess with wrestling like that. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm the only one watching it. What's going on? So uh, this was great, man. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, we have so many alternatives and options for all different styles of people who like wrestling. Uh, we get to see a bunch of different people. And uh, now we have another major company that can compete on the highest level. Uh, it's just a great time to be a wrestling fan, and I'm just hopeful that uh, the companies themselves continue to do well and get better so that there can be more wrestling fans so that this business can be as strong and profitable and uh, healthy when we get older. Yeah. Uh, when we're 50 and 60 years old, I want to still be able to turn on Raw or SmackDown or AEW Dynamite and you know, watch some good quality wrestling. I don't want the business to go the way of horse racing or roller derby and be something that was popular in the past that kind of just is operating on the fringes now. I don't yeah. want that. This is definitely that, um, I think it's a different form, but this is that definitely that boom period that everybody was hoping to come back because like I said, your whole week is wrestling. 
and you can find whatever you like from Impact to Ring of Honor to New Japan to Women of Wrestling to <laughs> to it, it, all of that good stuff. Uncharted territory. It's so much stuff you can watch. Uh, and it's great just to see the social media, especially that community that basically hyped up a lot of this stuff too. They got this stuff to this point. Social media, you know, as much thing bad things that you know social media brings and stuff like that, it's helped out a lot of these promotions because I never knew anything about Uncharted Territory. So I saw Rich uh, uh, tweeting about. It. I was like, "What is that?" And he told me about it. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll give it a shot." Mm-hmm. But that is what it is. Um, we hope you you know enjoyed the show. This is the first episode. I'll be back next Thursday, and uh, we'll sign off. Peace. Peace.